You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. everybody and welcome to another episode of the film feast podcast i'm your host matt bledsoe and this week we are continuing to celebrate the greatest month of the year october with another episode celebrating all things horror uh it is the third week of october and we've got three hosts and we're talking about some horror part threes we're talking about halloween three season of the witch scream three and nightmare on elm street three the dream warriors uh to help me talk about those movies i'm joined by two wonderful guests uh first i'm happy to be joined again by my friend ken walker ken how you doing doing very well happy to be back yet again i know second week in a row <laughs> so yeah. it's very exciting so uh but we are not alone we are also joined by someone who's been a frequent guest on this show and she is the host of the wonderful schlock and awe podcast it's Lindsay wilkins Lindsay, how are you doing hey no i'm happy to be here thank you uh, thank you again for inviting me on for this um really cool episode so no, i'm very very excited <laughs> i'm happy you're here i'm pretty sure this is your idea with the part three. So thank you for doing this with me. <laughs> I think I threw about 20 ideas at you when you said Halloween episode. So I couldn't exactly remember if it was Ken's or mine, but I was just like, I, I'm happy to do this. <laughs> yeah, this is one of you pitched. And I'm really I, glad you did because, especially because it gave me an excuse to rewatch the entire Scream series. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, you did pitch a lot of ideas, which I appreciate. Uh, and uh, this one stuck out for some reason. And then when I started thinking about it, uh, with the part threes that we have, We'll definitely talk about all of them individually, obviously, but they're all very different part threes in their respective franchises. So that's going to be interesting. Very, very much so. Like, exactly. Very, <laughs> very, very much so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we are in the thick of uh, spooky season, middle of October. Um, so, Lindsay, do you have anything you want to bring up, like horror movies you've watched recently? Anything good or interesting that you've seen? I yeah, I've been having um an absolute blast. I watched uh the TV movie The Night Stalker from 1972 for the first time. And um which now I miss TV movies from the 70s even though I wasn't around for them and cuz this is awesome. It is um a an investigative journalist who's kind of stuck in Las Vegas, he's down on his luck and he finds this sort of series of really kind of violent murders. And of course it's a vampire but the vampire is just this guy with a painted white face. But every time he kills, he flings people around like they're made out of polystyrene, like they're really light. When you see the first kill, he is flinging this woman around by her neck. And I think it was an actual woman. Like, they didn't get a dummy for it. It's it's kind of this insane comic book brutality that you're sort of just watching it and going, what is happening? But at the same time, it's actually really, really a really great movie that's really engaging and really, really fun. So that's my first one. I've heard about it. I've never seen it. Um, that I've sounds heard, insane to me. <laughs> it is actually insane. 
There's a great it, moment when he's kind yeah. of investigating the the thing, the um, vampire house, I guess, in the middle of Vegas, and he opens a drawer, and it's just a fill of like wigs, fake mustaches, and, and different glasses. Like he's going around in these different disguises. I don't know. It's just, um, it's it's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful movie. <laughs> and I see the lead is the dad from A Christmas Story, Darren McGavin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interesting. Ah, that so automatic ten out of ten for you. Yeah. <laughs> Easy 10 out of 10. Um, I've heard about, yeah, I've heard this for years. And uh, I guess they also made a TV show too after the movie. They made a whole show of it. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen any of it, but it sounds really interesting. And I, uh, the way you described it makes me want to see it more than anything else I've heard about it. So uh, I'm going to add that to my list for sure. I want to see that now. <laughs> no, it's actually really, really fun. It's, yeah, it's kind of. Even though it was something that family, I'm guessing families or people just sort of sat down and watched in 1972, it feels kind of weird that this was the thing that they sat down and watched. Because, yeah, it was so popular that they made another TV movie and a whole series. So, um, yeah, no, it, it's absolutely great. <laughs> a lot of weird TV movies, especially in like the 70s, I guess in the 80s, too, where I, I see the stuff that they did. I'm like, how did they get away with this on like network television? Like, who allowed this? <laughs> you know, it's like some weird kind of messed up stuff sometimes. <laughs> It really is, but it is kind of glorious. Um, I think that I watched it on, I rented it off Apple or something, but I think there is like a nice Blu-ray of it out there as well. So, Okay, cool, cool. Um, what else have you seen? Um, I have seen, um, okay, uh, I saw The Rental, which is a Dave Franco-directed uh, movie with his wife, Alison wow. Brie, uh, Dan Stevens, which is the reason why I clicked on it. Um and it is kind of this, it's a movie that kind of, I don't want to give too much away, um, even though I think a lot of people have seen it, but essentially two couples go to an Airbnb near the coast and then things starts happening. It's actually a really interesting movie because it kind of changes what movie you're watching occasionally. And it kind of, the way it changes and kind of the themes involved about privacy. I liked how the notion of, because Airbnb, you're staying in someone else's house. It's kind of a weird notion. Mm. So how much privacy do you actually get? And that's kind of the the notion of it. It's actually really creepy, really well done. Dan Stevens, of course, is amazing um, in it. And yeah. Okay. Yeah, huh. it's, it's so funny. I've almost pushed play on that movie multiple times as it came out because it sounded really interesting and i liked the cast and uh but i just never actually went through with i think i had to pay to rent it and i was like do i want to spend the five dollars to rent it i don't know <laughs> and uh i was being cheap and didn't rent it but um <laughs> i'm still very curious about it yeah it sounds interesting this is um, this is the first i'm hearing oh i'm sorry Lindsay, I did. oh no you go, go ahead. ahead i was just gonna say this is the first i've i've heard of dave franco directing and I'm just going to be honest about Dave Franco. Like, he's a very talented actor. I, I've liked him in a lot of what I've seen. But for some reason, he just looks like every high school bully I ever had. And so I hold a vendetta <laughs> against him. And I shouldn't. Um, well, to be fair, he has played every high school bully I think that there is. Um, right, you as well. 21 yeah. Jump Street can. And also, yeah, yes. Exactly. And, yeah. and also, um, uh, the Free Fright Night remake, which he pops up. That is a bully. It's kind of weird. Oh, um, yeah. I forgot yeah. about yeah, it's kind of you're like Dave Franco's in this. Um, no, he actually does. He's got a smarmy, smug look on his face, kind of like his brother. But <laughs> it must just be under the Franco family. But it's no, it's a really smart movie. I mean, he's really channeling Hitchcock in this. Um, and yeah, no, it's 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 really solid. I, I definitely still recommend it. Awesome, cool, cool. Um, uh, anything else you want to mention or? Um, quickly, I'll just mention I watched, finally got around to watching Pontypool from 2008, a Canadian uh, movie set in a radio station. Um, 
it's it's amazing it's maybe one of my favorites of the year so far of of october and one of my favorite discoveries um it's insanely creepy because you're getting a lot of i guess it's about a zombie um apocalypse attack um but you're getting all these kind of zombie accounts secondhand and it actually is a lot creepier than getting them seeing what is happening i don't know there's um and i want to watch it again because there's a thing to do with language and I was so much jumping out of my skin out of all of it that I didn't quite click to what the pattern was. Um, so no, but Pontypool is absolutely incredible. Uh, another movie I wanted to see for a long time. It's I think it's kind of hard to see over here. Like, I don't think it's available to even pay to rent. Maybe I'm wrong. No. Um, I had to get a very cheap DVD possibly, <laughs> yeah, um, of it to be able to watch it. So yeah, it's a little bit hard, but it's definitely worth a blind buy. Oh, okay, cool. Is it? Yeah, it's something to do with like, the zombie virus but it's spread through language is that kind of yes okay it's a very interesting idea especially because we've seen every kind of zombie take you can imagine at this point that sounds very unique so um i really i do really want to see it because the premise is super intriguing to me so yeah I will have to yeah, track that down. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely track it down. It's absolutely super creepy. Like, um, I'm recording in the my bookstore I work at, and we're still Melbourne's still locked down, so it's very, very quiet. And I was watching it in here when I was just doing some work for people to come and collect web orders, and not the best place to watch it because I was completely isolated, and I fully expected when I walk out, am I going to find like a horde of zombies just wandering around <laughs> down by the river? <laughs> oh, you just throw throw books at them and run. Just like, pretty much take off. <laughs> um, okay, that's cool. Those, yeah, your three things I want to see. So good, good recommendations there. Excellent. <laughs> um, uh, Ken, we'll move on to you. What What have you got that you've seen recently? <laughs> uh, well, you know, most of what I've watched for Spooky Season, I mentioned on the last time I was on here, but uh, I, I'll say um, since then I got into some Universal monsters. I checked. I watched again. Uh, the Mummy's Hand, and Matt, I know how much you love those mummy movies. <laughs> oh, but God. It, uh-huh. it dawned on me, it didn't even, I didn't even realize, because it had been so long since I watched any of the Karis mummy movies, and Karis, it, so in the first mummy, it's Imhotep, in the next four, it's Karis, so. Um, but he doesn't show up until, like, the last 20 minutes, and the movie's only an hour and six minutes long anyway. So <laughs> most of it, it's just sort of like this, this poor man's Abbott and Costello, as I call him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, however, my, it, and it's been a while since I watched, I, I do want to check out the next couple mummy movies. Cause I understand they're sort of proto slasher movies because throughout those movies, he is just sort of walking around stalking and strangling people. So, um, but yeah, Matt, I know you're, you're not big on the mummy. <laughs> I think mummy's hand was the last one I've seen in the mummy, the universal mummy series. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just, they don't do much for me. This, those movies, like, especially compared to the other monsters you know it just yeah i i find them very dull and i'm sorry <laughs> i don't want to offend anyone who loves those movies but they just don't they just don't work for me maybe i'll give the other ones a try if they're more like you said kind of like slashers in a weird way where he's just going around just uh because there's never enough mummy in them for me it's like i need more you know mummies yeah <laughs> so. well and the first one is and i love it for this like when i was a kid i didn't like the first one because it was imhotep actually being more like a dracula type character much more cunning and you know, right. not just a shambling monster. And I like it for that. But, you know, yeah, for the rest of them, you do want the, you know, wrapped up mummy going around strangling people. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Lindsay, how do you feel about the mummy? <laughs> um, I'm a big mummy fan, actually. Um, I like the 1932. Um, I do actually quite like the mummy's oh, hand because it, fe- it um, because it feels like 
the 99 mummy actually took that plot and ran with it, but with more mummy. Yes. Um, the other universal ones are kind of interchangeable. I think they are slight proto slashes because you do have supposedly Lon Chaney Jr. Maybe, maybe not, depending on how drunk he was to remember that he actually did the role. Um, shuffling around, strangling people. Um, but they can be a li- little bit, quite a bit more interchangeable. But I remember liking Hand. Um, but no, I, I like The Mummy just because when I was a teenager, The Mummy, um, the Summers one was one of my favorite movies. Um, mm-hmm. There's something about the mythology, and I was always, I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was a kid. So right. um, going into uh, ancient Egypt and all that kind of stuff, I was always, always attracted to. So, um, no, I mean, but when you do get a boring mummy movie, you're like, oh, so especially something like one of the, there's a certain Hamill one that I'm just like going, okay. Um, and yeah, but no, I'm, I've always been a bit of a fan of the mummy. Yeah, I remember I actually listened to you and Daniel Epler talk about the original mummy along with, I believe, the, the Tom Cruise mummy, correct? <laughs> yes, a movie <laughs> I keep watching and can't defend. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it was funny. I actually really loved that episode because you guys really got into like, so many like little details about uh the movie but um one thing that i want to say i i think this was one detail you missed because you guys got into david manners and how he was likely a uh closeted homosexual at the, at the time and you yeah. just got into so many details there was one story from the original mummy i don't think you guys hit upon correct me if i'm wrong um but zita johan in the original mummy she like got she like passed out on set because of really hot lighting and yes. i just and I thought it was it was a, such a funny story because she wakes up and the first thing she sees is Boris Karloff in mummy makeup in her face going, Sita, Sita, darling, aren't you all right? <laughs> and I just love that story. Um, no, I think I did read that one. We didn't get into it because I was too busy talking about her breathiness. But um, no, you're right. It would have been, been a sight just to wake up and then see. Because that makeup, I still think, is incredible, especially when you get the first that really first hit of him um, is amazing to see that in your face. You'd be like, Oh God, where have I woken up? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that I've taken up too much time already, but I will say <laughs> I've checked out. I've, I watched a pairing of an original and a remake house on haunted Hill. And there was a moment when I thought, you know what, what if we did a, what if I pitched to Matt an episode where we talk about all those nineties dark castle remakes? <laughs> But after watching this House on Haunted Hill, I'm like, I'm not sure I want to do that. Oh, no, I thought you were remembering that Daniel already did that, that whole series. Daniel Epper did that like a year ago and I was on it and Lindsay was on it. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I, 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 I didn't get on that one then. <laughs> or I, didn't, you know, I didn't see that one or listen okay. to that one. Oh, you're fine. I yeah. thought that was funny. I thought your reason was going to be, then I remembered, I thought you were going to say, well, I thought this idea and then I remember Daniel already did it. So we couldn't do it, but yeah, uh, no. swerved me there. Um, so, <laughs> But yeah, um. I love the original Vincent Price House on Haunted Hill. Um, yeah. I know it's like <laughs> cheesy and it turns out to, it's probably not even paranormal at all, but you know, but I'm going to be honest. I did not care for the remake. Uh, see, I really like the remake and I defended it pretty hard on Daniel's. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I love both. They're very different. They're very, very different. Um, but uh they, you know, the first one is very charming in its in its way. And the second one is, you know, kind of weird. And I find it genuinely creepy. Like, I've always found it. So it's like when I was younger, I saw it and it really creeped me out. And it still kind of creeps me out. Um, so I Jackson ghost creeped me out. Wait, what? The, the ghost who looks a lot like Michael Jackson creeped me out. 
Oh, why am I? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I had to think about what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I find most of things creepy in that. It's very, uh, it's very of its time, that movie, uh, the remake. It's very much of its time. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I really, I defend that movie. I really enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, no. no, I like the yeah, I like the remake as well. And I recently rewatched the original, and I actually love how dark it was. Yes, it is very corny, but you've got to realize that these spoilers for um, very big spoilers for the original 1959, um, <laughs> the House on Haunted Hill, I think it's called. Um, they both made a murder palace. They were both intending to kill mm -hmm. each other, and so they kind of made this weird. I mean, there's a freaking acid bath in it. I mean, it's kind <laughs> of this weird thing. You've got to real there. This this couple decided. I'm going to murder my other half, so I'm going to make a murder house. And you're just looking at that house and go, who built this house? What was yeah. the intention for the bars on the window and the fact that there's like this H.H. H. Holmes thing in the basement? And it's kind of this really disturbing, when you actually kind of go down up below the goofiness of it, you're just like, who built this house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. And they're they're like it's so funny. It's like they're like a less romantic Gomez and Morticia. It's like, yeah, we're trying to kill each other, but it's not in a romantic way like Much that. Much less romantic. Uh yes. one of my favorite things about both movies is how uh like venomous the relationship is between the the married couples, like how much they hate, absolutely hate each other. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I just um I couldn't get into Jeffrey Rush as uh as the vincent price character um i thought a lot of the uh ghost designs were cool and as i recall when this movie was originally released on dvd didn't they have like bonus features where they gave you like the origin story of every ghost that sounds familiar Lindsay, do you remember that <laughs> no i mean there was a little bit of it when they sort of told the history of the house but it didn't really go into every single ghost oh no it kind of well, kind I think I think did. it's like it, I think it was a bonus feature. Are you okay. thinking of maybe that happened you, on the Thirteen Ghosts Dark Castle remake? That's not like a thing they would do for for that movie. Okay, maybe maybe I'm mixing up the two. Yeah, because um, I know that they sort of set up thing. Oh, it's very very haunted. You're going to meet ghosts, as in Jeffrey, uh, not Jeffrey Rush. I've been surprised. It's like going, you'll see ghosts because I'm gonna murder <laughs> my wife, and she's like, oh no, you'll see ghosts, and he's trying to kill me because I'm trying to murder my husband. So it's kind of um. They do it much more vaguely, um, right. but there's a scene when like a head just kind of shoots out on a table really, really quickly. And it's kind of a cool effect. You're like, oh, shit, where did that thing, that plastic thing come from? Um, it's <laughs> very typical um, William Castle, like shock and awe kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and uh, then lastly, Matt, with you just the other night, uh, we did a movie night and we watched The Serpent and the Rainbow, which I had never seen before. Ooh. <laughs> Yes, and uh, I, I think I know what you thought, but but go ahead. <laughs> I really liked it. I thought there were mo there were moments that were a little silly, but a lot of the creep factor, like with the creepy bride, that was that was like mm -hmm. great visually, and a moment that that was just so so beautiful for me uh, was when Bill Pullman has like the spirit of the jaguar inhabit him. So and you just see like the jaguar's face appear and. <laughs> It, it that was that was glorious. So, <laughs> I kind of love that. Really yeah, uh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, because uh, I've been itching to rewatch it um, because they just did it on uh, uh, Craven Craven, which I know Lindsay knows about. Um, mm. uh, Patrick Bromley and Heather Wixon do this podcast. We're going through West Craven filmography, and they just did that one pretty recently. Might have been the last episode, and uh, them talking about me when we were watching. I haven't watched it in like a long time. It was like ten years, and. Um, 
it always really creeped me out. Um, it's very intense, Serpent in the Rainbow, like throughout the whole thing, like because not only are you dealing with the supernatural elements, it's the whole thing of Bill Pullman kind of being trapped in a in a country like, you know, a stranger in a strange land type thing, which is always scary to me because it's like, you know, if you don't speak the language and you get taken to prison, you know, like you can't do anything you know it's like he's one point he's like he's like what about the the u.s embassy and it's like do you see the ambassador here you know he's kind of trapped but you know he's getting he's getting attacked by supernatural stuff and by these this corrupt government that is uh keeps coming after him and it's very scary at one point you mild spoiler you think he's out and he kind of is not fully out and has to go back and uh yeah i just find it very scary because it's like this inescapable supernatural thing and there's a lot of creepy moments and um, yeah, I really, really like that movie. I think it's just really, really good. No, it's one of my favorite Wes Cravens. Um, it would be top three, sometimes sort of swapping around with um, people under the stairs. But I love, yeah, it is very much just, uh, he's trapped in sort of Haiti, but at the same time, Wes Craven, because he's Wes Craven, wants to understand Haiti. He's kind of same with Bill Pullman. I mean, it's kind of this thing of this really kind of thing of, oh, I want to understand exactly this culture. It's not just this kind of supernatural thing, but there's this culture behind it. And mm-hmm. um, no, I I adore that movie. Yeah, it's actually interesting. As much as he like dabbled in like the horror elements, uh, tapping into like the voodoo, it was it was done really like actually very respect respectfully of that culture. Oh yeah, it yeah, really I- is. It's. Yeah, there's an empathy of wanting to understand something, not just coming in and going, hey, look at this weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like Craven is like genuinely interested in what's going on there and like the people of Haiti and not he's trying to make them three dimensional. It's I don't it's mm. hard to describe, but like I feel like he genuinely is like a thoughtful filmmaker overall. So I feel like this is not like just a gimmick for him, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like he genuinely yes. yeah. cares about it. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a really, really good movie. And it's a. Uh, one of those movies too, when it's like he goes outside of the, uh, you know, outside of his scream or or Nightmare on Elm Street box, everyone kind of thinks about him, and he does like these kind of really like weird out there type movies uh, <laughs> that that are very you know cool, underrated. I feel like still kind of people under the stairs and this are kind of not they're you know they're not by horror fans they're not underrated necessarily, but by general public, I think if you ask about Wes Craven, people are gonna say Scream or Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah. They won't mention those, but the other, the Serpent and the Rainbow part won't come up. But uh, yeah, I think it's just a really solid movie that uh, just still creeps me out. So it was still good. <laughs> so I, I liked revisiting oh, it. Yeah. yeah. When Wes Craven wants to creep you out, he will creep you out. He, um, <laughs> yeah. That's what I love about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was, he's one of my favorites for sure. Um, so yeah, we watched that. Uh, it was a good time. I, uh, for my stuff, I watched a movie that long overdue to watch. Um, uh, a classic uh, horror movie that I've been putting off for a long time. I don't know why. Um, I watched The Haunting from 1963. Oh, what'd you Ooh. think? Uh, mm-hmm. No, please, Matt, go ahead. <laughs> Have you Sorry, we're just very that? excited. <laughs> it's one of my favorite haunted house movies. What if I was like, what a piece of shit? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <It's not laughs> That's it, uh, podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> both just leave. Um, no, I, I thought it was great. It, this is, I always have this issue when I watch a movie that's a classic and then I just come in and go, <laughs> I go, Hey, it's great. I feel like I'm just kind of adding to the chorus of, um, you know, I, I don't really have anything new or groundbreaking to say, but, um, yeah, it lived up to the, the hype and the expectations. Um, it's so well-made, like it feels a little ahead of its time for 63, even though it's kind of black and white classic ghost story. I feel like some of the, 
the camera work that Robert Wise was doing and the way that it shot, it looks amazing. Like it's a really gorgeous movie, uh, more than I was even expecting it to be. And uh, genuinely creepy, still really works. Um, it's just a like a great horror movie. I don't know. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a classic for a reason. I was not let down. So I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, because uh, Robert Wise is part of that Val Luton school. Um, I think mm-hmm. he wanted made he made body snatches. I want to say, um, yeah. So he sort of was working with Jacques Tournier and Val Luton a lot. And then when he got to make his own movies, he was in that style. And I think Haunting is very much part of that. What he learnt from um, those guys is in trying. Just, it's all about tone. It's all about the shadow. It's all about um, what you can't see. And I think that's that's the haunting in in, in general. Yeah. Um, for me, my favorite scene in the whole movie that just, I think it just so builds tension so well is when Eleanor and Theo are in the room together and they hear the banging on the door. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, oh, wait, am I mixing up two scenes? What I'm thinking of, no, what I'm thinking of is when Eleanor is in bed and she feels someone holding her hand. And she's like really torn because, uh, for people who don't know, um, the movie really, um, for the time, uh, it, it sort of uh, it portrayed a potentially bisexual character, a, a potentially lesbian or bisexual. Oh, okay. Uh, in Theo. Yeah, Matt, did you not pick up on that? <laughs> I don't think I did, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry to say. Yeah, no. I, maybe my first watch, I was just kind of looking at other things. I don't know. I, I did not pick up on that, really. Yeah, no, you can tell that Theo is very much sort of flirting with Eleanor, but and that sort of creates this great um, tension when Eleanor thinks someone's holding her hand because, like, there's part of her, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into this way too much, where, like, she thinks Theo is holding her hand, but she's, like, a little uncomfortable because she doesn't want to give Theo the wrong impression, but then she really wants it to be a person because she doesn't want a ghost to be holding her hand. Right. And it's just, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it really perfectly builds tension i think yeah and the scene you'd mentioned with like the banging on the door yeah uh, that too that's another great yes. scene so and that was the scene i feel like i brought this special up like three weeks in a row but uh the the bravo 100 scariest movie moments from like 15 years ago which is like a huge part of me like really becoming a horror fan um they had the haunting on the list and they had that scene specifically and it always really really stuck out to me um like how good it was like just that one scene and it still really working better in the movie when I actually saw the whole movie. So, um, yeah, it's just such a good exercise and like, you know, building tension and, you know, what do you not show and how that's still scary? You know? So, um, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it was great. It's probably maybe the best thing I've watched all month so far. So yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. And then there was that, uh, piece of shit remake with, uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> which I've never seen. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I went to the movies and saw that one. Usually I will defend a remake. That one I can't even defend. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> That's one I've never heard anybody defend. Like, yeah, I feel like every movie has its like pocket of defender, especially horror movies. Um, mm. And like the remakes now, like all the Dark Castle remakes getting reassessed. I still haven't seen anybody go to bat for the, the haunting remake. So oh. watch, House of, watch the House on Haunted Hill remake. That's kind of what you want from your remake. A stupid, goofy, uh, slightly um, creepy haunted house movie, as if what if there were ghosts? This is just not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know no, if anybody no, no. can like describe it to me like quickly or succinctly because I've never heard what people's issue is with the haunting remake or why is it bad. I just heard it's bad. I've never heard why it's bad. <laughs> For me, it's like so. 
I mean, the original is all about, like, you don't see the ghosts. This one, like, just throws CGI ghosts oh, all over the place. Okay. <laughs> from, I haven't seen it since 99. From memory, the, the CGI wasn't great. And it's Yonder Bont who they directed it, who I'm usually a big fan of. But I think even in something, I don't know, there's a subtlety he just doesn't have. Um, and in a haunted house movie, you need a monicum of subtlety. Even House on Haunted Hill has a little bit of subtlety, like when she's holding the camera up, seeing the in House on Haunted Hill, and you're seeing the people operate, takes the camera down, you don't see it. It's even that kind of stuff that the haunting just does not have. And because um, you want to go, what's that? And this is never gives you the what's that part. It just throws it in your face. Is it? It just throws it in your face because <laughs> oh, it's Yonder okay. Bond, and that's yeah. what Yonder Bond does. I mean, when he's right, making right. speed, you want it thrown in your face, <laughs> not a haunted house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's good no, at like, and, speed and stuff like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no. In the climax of that movie, it just shows the like the big ghost of like the man who built the house, and like all these little angel statues cower in fear of him. It's it's silly. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't sound great. Um, okay, well, I can skip that one, it sounds like. <laughs> so, um, okay, let me see. Last thing here. Uh, Lindsay, I feel like you may have just watched this one, or I saw you just talking about it. Um, I finally watched uh, James Wan's Dead Silence. Yes, I just rewatched <laughs> this. Okay. Um, okay, if you don't like this one, I'm going to be heartbroken. <laughs> no, no, I, I, well, I didn't love it, but I did like it. I definitely liked it. Um, it's, it's fun. It's, it's good. It's, uh. It, there's I feel like watching this after watching Malignant, there's so much of like M- Malignant's like wacky kind of out there DNA. It starts in Dead Silence. I, I feel oh, like. Dead Silence is insanely wacky. That's kind of why I, I love it. It's beautiful. It's gothic. It's like this fairy tale. Um, I love creepy dolls in a movie. Like I won't have them in my house, but in a movie, I love it. And this has got all the creepy dolls that you could ever possibly not want in a movie. Um, I think I don't know what Donnie Wahlberg is doing. I think he's in a completely <laughs> different movie to what is actually everyone else is in. Um, so he's just I'm like I don't know why you're, he even he kind of inserts himself into the movie. Like it's very strange. Um, and he's useless. Um, but as a, the character is is useless. Um, but it is just this amazingly gorgeous, creepy gothic fairy tale. Um, and it's the kind of movie that I love because it's so it's very goofy. It's very silly. Yet it's taking everything you see on screen absolutely seriously. Um, and it's, yeah. it's great. I still find it creepy, too. There was a lot yeah. of creepy stuff. A the lot old, of creepy, yeah. Oh my God, the old woman, like the the kind of main, uh, what's her name, Mary? Mary Shaw? Uh, Mary Shaw, yeah. Like, just yeah. whenever they show her, I do, I'm very uncomfortable. I don't like that. Like, she's so creepy. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she really creeped me out. All the doll stuff. I'm usually not, like, too afraid of dolls but they're very creepy and dead silence um love you brought up donnie Wahlberg because i was like what is donnie Wahlberg doing <laughs> like i was interested by it he's constantly shaving with an electric razor for some reason he is i don't like, understand he's just totally interrogating why. him shaving it's like what <laughs> um he feels like he could have walked into like malignant that character like because he oh, feels yeah. kind of weird and wacky like um I thought one of the main problems I have with Dead Silence was that I thought the lead was like a very uninteresting guy, like very bland. Um, I guess he was on True Blood. I looked it up. I like um, what's his name? Ryan Quantin. Uh, yeah, I just thought he was like a pretty like boring lead, which I thought kind of hurt the movie. If somebody else was in there and it were a more interesting, yeah, more interesting actor, I thought that would be uh, kind of bring it up a little bit. But um 
he doesn't tank it. He's just kind of like he's just kind of there. I felt like, uh, you know, everything else going around him is so much more interesting than, than him. So um, also the bad thing about that was too, I had the twist, the kind of the last twist kind of spoiled for me years ago for Dead Silence. Um, oh, yeah. Which didn't hurt oh, it that okay. bad. Uh, but it, it, I always hate when I know the twist going into any movie, really. <laughs> um, well, I, 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 let me just say, I, I know nothing and I, I have not seen this movie. So it's good. It bombed, good. I think, when it came out. Bombed I, I don't, don't know why. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good horror movie. Like, um, yeah, I don't know what happened with this one because uh, James Wan had not made Insidious yet. So, um, yeah, yeah he, he was, was known was for Saw. 07, was... wasn't it? Yes, 07, yeah. So he, okay. he yeah. hadn't hit with, like, Insidious and Conjuring yet. So in this weird in-between period. Um, but, yeah, it's good. I think if you watch it now and they hadn't seen it, they'll be, if they've seen Malignant, they're like, oh, there's a lot of, like, the bones of, like, Malignant and Dead Silence. Because it's just, like, this really, like, kind of weird, out-there horror movie. <laughs> like, uh, where he's just doing all kinds of stuff. It's still, it looks really good. Uh, there is some kind of, like, shaky CGI, but it was 2007. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but I... I like Dead Silence, and I luckily I I bought it like on Vudu, like digitally when it was super cheap, and now like oh now I own Dead Silence, good, like cool. Now I can just rewatch it whenever. So um, it was very enjoyable. I liked it. <laughs> no, I, I I love this this movie um, for the reasons you said. I think yeah, when he made it, people wanted Saw, and I don't think people were quite ready for the the James Wanness of it all until he hit with Insidious and now um, Malignant, I think people are a bit more ready for that kind of horror, though I don't know how well Malignant's done, but it's just, um, yeah, no, I, I love this movie. It's just, it's, yeah, it hits all the buttons I want from a horror movie, I guess is probably the way I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm not sure how Malignant's doing because like, I don't think it did very well here in the theater specifically, but it's also on HBO Max and it seemed yes. like, the weekend, everybody was talking about it. So I don't know yes. how if like everyone is yeah. here watching HBO Max and the numbers are really good streaming. But like, um, yeah, it kind of I was like, oh, no, he went out of outside the box again. It's something crazy. And it, I'm not sure if it paid off. But um, yeah, I like when James Wan does kind of kookier stuff. Like this. Yeah, I like, think HBO Max is definitely holding it back because right now its budget was 40 million. And right now, box office is sitting at 30.3 million. Oh, yeah. True. But, but then, then you HBO's don't you don't know. Yeah, you don't yeah, know how much money that's making for it. And you don't, yeah. and you, and HBO is going to be measuring it in a completely different way. It's going to be more how many subscribers, which is why I think people don't know how to judge now if a movie that's been shown on HBO is a hit because it's like, well, it was people, a lot of people, it may have gotten a lot of hits on HBO, but we don't know how much that translates into money, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I've never understood with these whole streaming services and like, the subscriber counts and like, oh, a bunch of people watched it. But I'm like, did that really bring you any new revenue? You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, it's weird uh, how they measure success. And sometimes they don't like release their numbers for a while or if at all. So it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's a mystery. But yeah. <laughs> um, but, we, but we have Dead Silence in our lives and we have Malignant. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want more crazy James Wan movies. Uh, yes. <laughs> Just keep writing in blank checks. Yep, exactly. I don't know if they will after. We'll we'll see, but uh, oh, maybe he's still, he's got another Aquaman coming out. I think he's going to be fine. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I mean, Aquaman other... made a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> still crazy to say that we made a billion dollars, but good for yeah. him and, and good for that. Uh, yeah, it's. I hope Aquaman two does really well too, and maybe we'll give him like another blank check to like go make mm. another crazy horror movie. <laughs> so we will it's see. What we want. <laughs> it's what, what the people want. Um. So um. 
well, I, I don't have any good segue into the, the topic, but <laughs> from that, I'm sure they're a clever segue. Oh, but, you mean uh, zany horror? You mean a zany horror movie that makes no sense but is absolutely enjoyable? Yeah, I think that's a segue. Oh, well, good job, Lindsay. <laughs> this is why you did it for us. Well, this is uh, yeah, it's good to have another podcast host on the on the podcast. Uh, so like, come up with those those transitions. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna talk about these horror part threes. I think why not start with halloween three season of the witch which talk about wacky Lindsay. good job uh it's like this holy shit uh this movie is really wacky and uh i don't know i guess we'll kind of go around here i don't know about either one this movie's had a long complicated history since it came out i don't none of us i don't know Lindsay. you may have been alive when it came out i want to i don't want to date you but <laughs> i don't want to age you here but um you were very young i know that none of us were out i don't think any of us were aware of it when it came out we were all either not born or way too young um yes yeah, but, way, way too young. <laughs> <laughs> way too young. Uh, so for years, even when I was younger, I'd heard that Halloween 3 was the black sheep, you know, mm -hmm. misfire of the franchise. And that was the common popular consensus up until, I want to say, the past, like, 10 years, maybe a little before. And then the tide completely turned on it. Um, yep. And everyone's like, oh, no, Halloween 3 is great. And I'm like, where have you people been this whole time? Because <laughs> uh, I know as for a fact as a kid, everybody would just kind of shit on Halloween 3. Like it was just, you know, is it no Michael Myers? It's weird. It's like there's Stonehenge and masks and who knows what's going on. So and now it's like it's a beloved classic. So I'm kind of curious if like both of you kind of had that same impression when you were younger and you've noticed a tide turn or am I just imagining all that? <laughs> um, uh, so, oh, you go first, Ken. Okay, um, <clears throat> so like many people, when I was first getting into horror, Halloween was, you know, one of the first series I started watching. And yeah, most people were saying, and this was, yeah, like 2009 or 2008, around there. Most people were saying like, oh, don't don't bother about it with three. It's not that great. Uh, then, you know, I saw a few people saying like, oh, give it a chance. It's actually really good for what it is. Yada, yada, yada. And I uh, watched it and... At first, I wasn't into it because I was sort of going with the main crowd. Uh, after a while, I was like, no, I like this. And now I will just say Halloween 3 is my second favorite Halloween movie. Wow. It's okay. my second favorite <laughs> in the series. Second favorite. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, Lindsay, how about you? And, and. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Real quick. I want to say I like Halloween 4. But aside from that, I honestly kind of wish they went with the anthology direction. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's a lot. Old statement. I know. Bold statement from Ken. Lindsay, what do you got for this? <laughs> um, the time I was getting into horror, I think the change back into horror, I think the change for Halloween 3 um, was shifting. So the first time I saw it was when F This Movie did their Scary Movie Month commentary with it. Um, and that was the first time I watched it. So it was watching it with them sort of saying, oh, my God, what the hell is this is amazing. This is weird. So I kind of had that already in my head when I was watching it for the first time especially about his um, handkerchief in his pocket and Scooby-Doo's um, uh, sex adventure and all that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so it was kind of already in my head when I was watching it. And I kind of went, oh, this is actually really, really, really fun, even though it's not a Halloween movie. But yeah, kind of like Ken, as much as I love the Halloween series for all its five and sixes, um, I kind of wish they went with the anthology thing more. Um and as much as I love Michael Myers, um, it's but it's just a, such a fun, ludicrous movie. It's kind of one of those things yes. where you're watching, like, 
How did this get made? Okay, I understand that you're making an you want to make Halloween an anthology series, which is great. But this story with witches, robots, masks, Stonehenges, Tom Adkins yep. as a as an alcoholics doctor sex addict, Nancy <laughs> Nelkin who looks like a Monchichi again something I got from the F this movie commentary that I cannot get out of my head. Um I don't understand how this got filmed, um, yeah, but I think yeah. it's a miracle that it did. <laughs> I, I think I think that's such a great way to put it because, like, I because you got to think they wanted to make it a, a, a an anthology series. Perfect, fine. You went from a guy walking around stalking his sister, trying to kill her on Halloween night, to this madness of a plot. <laughs> it's there had to be somewhere in between here. <laughs> that is exactly it. Halloween, you can explain in one or two sentences, two sentences at most. It's very, very simple and to the point. Halloween 3, you have to, there is no exactly. way you can just sort of say in what this movie is in one sentence because there is so much happening. They are literally throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Unfortunately, everything sticks. That's the problem with Halloween 3. Um, yep. Agreed. And, um, which is what I love about it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, it's right up there with my favorite Halloween movies as well, even though it's not really a hell. I don't know. Anyway, it's still amazing. I love the fact that Tom Adkins is the lead in this. Um, I love. The God of um, oh, <laughs> I mean, he's got the mustache in it. He's just Pete yep. Adkins. Mustache of the gods. Um, <laughs> mustache of the gods. Um, that's a stupid question. Um, it, it's. It's such a great flawed character. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of meant to be this schlubby James Bond um, with all this stuff happening, as well, again with everything on top of it. So, the fact that they decided that this is going to be their next um, Halloween uh, anthology movie is kind of insane. There, yeah, it's, it's such a jump, which is why I know horror fans even get annoyed at um, Friday the Thirteenth Part five because it's not jason um mm -hmm. so i can kind of see that they really got mad at this because michael's just a flash on a tv screen this has nothing to do with the uh michael myers legacy or anything like that so but i love it <laughs> yeah i and i i know before i ever really knew anything about it i mean i just had the plot kind of told to me and i'm like <laughs> what i'm like wait what's going on there's stonehenge there's lasers there's robots uh what like, it's such a it's such a far leap from what the halloween franchise was up to that point that this is the one of the part threes where it's like this part three just like leaves the planet earth and goes <laughs> like somewhere yep. else um and is like because i people it's of course it had a bad reputation because i'm thinking to myself you need so much distance from the first two halloween movies to enjoy this one especially in 1982 can you imagine because like no internet so people much less informed about probably what's going on with the franchise. I know, like, I watched the trailers to kind of get how they sold it. And I still don't think they really, like, I don't think they knew how to sell the movie. Um, the only trailer I knew of is The Witch's Mask comes out, The Spider comes out. And it's got a great tagline, The Night No One Came Home. That is a great tagline. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few on the Blu-ray. There's, like, a, a TV spots in a trailer. And it shows you stuff in the movie. And it kind of tries to make the point, like, this is different than Michael Myers, but I don't think anybody in 1982 could possibly prepare themselves for going from Halloween two to this Halloween, to Halloween three, and being and being like that was great. Like it's such it's such a quantum leap, <laughs> like from what you're expecting to what you get, and like people were not, I'm sure we're not prepped very well. Like nowadays, you probably have rumors like you know months ahead of time where it's like, oh, the Halloween franchise is going a vet of vastly different direction this time around so get ready yep. like nobody was prepped i'm sure for what the hell this was <laughs> like um 
No, yeah. Halloween was the biggest independent movie up to that time. I think it was. Yep. I could be wrong, but I think it was actually only beaten by the Teenage Ninja Turtles movie. Um, I could be wrong in that. There might be a movie in between. Please let me know. Um, I could, I'm mostly talking out of my ass. But um, so, okay, so Halloween is huge. Um, they have to make a part two because it's that big. So when they decide to then go in a different okay, we're actually going to make this a anthology series. Yeah, it is such a big leap. If you're going into that theater in 1982 expecting a Halloween movie and expecting a Michael Myers Halloween and you get Tom Atkins running around <laughs> drunk, um, I don't know what that reaction would be. I think um, I love the idea that movies have to sit with you a little while or sometimes even decades. Um because you go in with a certain, even though I try not to, I still go in with certain expectations. I try and go, okay, let's just see what the movie's going to feed me and then I, well, what the actual movie's trying to do. But sometimes you have expectations and sometimes you could just look at this and go, what was that? I mean, this is uh, M. Night Shyamalan's whole career of like, what was that? And then you go <laughs> yeah. back and people now say, oh, no, The Village is actually good. I know Brent Peterson loves The, the, vill um, the Village and he also loves The Happening because um, you can kind of see it from a distance. And I think Halloween 3 only works when you see it from a distance. Yes, it needs, I think, separation from the rest of the franchise. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, I could really enjoy it as a standalone. Um, now, it took me, every time I watch Halloween 3, I like it more and more, I think, because I'm getting used to the weirdness of it. <laughs> I, like, embrace the weirdness of it. But, uh, yeah, it definitely, just, it just take it as its own thing. And it's uh, it's very enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I want to ask you guys this. I know he didn't direct this. He only uh, produced it and he wrote the music for it, too. Uh, but this feels like this has John Carpenter's fingerprints all over. it. I feel like like I can really see like shades of Prince of Darkness and the Mouth of Madness in this. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think the only time you'd stop seeing it is for when I think he kind of completely disappears from it. But John Carpenter, even though he says he hates people, which I think he does, um, <laughs> yeah. I think he's actually quite a control freak. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. the thing has in um, Morricone writing the score, but it sounds like Morricone doing John Carpenter. So I think, um, I think he's actually quite a controlling director, which because that always has John Carpenter's you know, The Fog or Halloween or, you know, The Thing yeah. or Prince of Darkness. So I Almost every movie... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just said, you, you go. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, and you notice almost every movie of his has, like, the same font, almost, when it says, like, John Carpenter's this film. Yes, he's very aware of... He was very aware of his own branding. So I think if he was producing it, he would have been involved in saying, okay, I want this kind of style, I want this kind of light... I need this kind of feeling with the font on the name because this is going to have my name on it. I think by four, I think he was like, well, fuck this. You do whatever you want as long as you <laughs> sure. give me a check now, which is John Carpenter. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think he was very, I think from the get-go, he was very, very, sorry, I've been listening to the blank check uh, thing on John Carpenter and they keep going back to this. That he yeah. was very, very aware of his own branding from right from the beginning. And I think you still can see this in Halloween 3. Yeah, I think so. Also, what you mentioned there, I believe I heard a quote from his where people ask like what he thinks of remakes of his movies, and I think he said, "It's funny, anytime they make a remake of my movie, this this check just falls into my hand." <laughs> yeah, he just wants to like watch basketball and play video games now. He doesn't want to be bothered. I feel like. play his music. Yeah. That's 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 what he play wants. Play his music. Well, yeah, with his yeah. son. Yeah, yeah. More power to him. <laughs> He's living his best life, I would say. Um, and he does have a. I looked at he. I, I guess a uncredited story. Um 
uh, well, I guess credit, but it's like he he helped with the story. I'm pretty sure on three, so he he had his hands on it a bit. Um, and there is kind of I never thought about that, but there is kind of something about John Carpenter definitely has to think about like, mistrust of like. I feel like corporations and government and there's a big corporation doing shady shit in Halloween three and, you know, um, kind of a conspiracy yeah, yeah. going on. Um, so yeah, it's very strange. Uh, it, it helps me. I love Tom Atkins. So that helps. Uh, although I just, it's so weird that he's like this alcoholic divorce dad doctor who like just drops everything to go on this. Like, yeah. Like Lynn said, Scooby-Doo mystery road trip with this like girl, that much younger than him. I noticed this time, like, like, oh my God, when they've had sex twice and then Tom Atkins goes, yep. wait, how old are you? And I was like, Tom, way too late to be asking that question. question. Yes, way too late. <laughs> the, the window has closed, Tom. You've already, it's way too late in the game right. to ask that question. You're already, a, you're already a sex offender if, if you if the answer is not good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how old she actually was to me. I did think I was like, well, you look older than 18, but still it's like, oh God. Um, uh, and your answer I like, is, I, I'm older than I look. I'm like going, oh, no. Like, oh, no. <laughs> also, isn't there some other movie? I, I swear there's another movie where apparently, apparently Tom Atkins was just a very desirable man, apparently. Because oh, there's another the movie. Where he like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, The Fog. That was it. Where he has sex with like this much younger woman. I'm like, was Tom Atkins seen as this like really sexy man? No, it's Different not just time. any younger woman. It's Jamie Lee Curtis in yeah. 1980s. Yeah, yes. <laughs> He picks they her up on resist. the side of the road, and within two minutes, they're having sex back at his place. And it's right. just like, how? Even in this, Halloween 3 comes out of nowhere when they have sex. Like, I felt nothing between the two of them sexually, like, no chemistry. And then it's like, where do you want to sleep? And it's like, you know, I want to sleep. That's and then, you know. Stupid question, miss. Yeah, oh, whatever. I cannot believe that that's a stupid question. It's yeah. like, oh, dude. <laughs> He's a charmer. Um. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They uh, something was going on there. So and then he I think he smacks like a nurse on the butt near the beginning. And she's just like, oh, doctor. And then like oh, the, the, yeah. him and the coroner have a thing. It seems like uh, um, medical. I know we can medical examiner. They have like a thing. The woman is examining like the car part explosion. Um, yeah. I, I, every lady in this movie just is charmed by Tom Mackett. Except that his ex-wife. Well, yeah, she's tired of his <laughs> yeah. bullshit. I do. I love the scene when he's like, like really bullshitting her when he's on the payphone, and he's just like, "There's Doc's convention. Yeah, don't ask about it. I'll be home by Halloween. Tip kids out." And he has to grab his six pack of beers off the top of the uh, the payphone. Like, I get my road beers before I head off. He practically skips to the car. It's amazing. (laughs) Also, like when I first watched this movie, I feel like they mentioned that their divorce. It's a very passing thing. When I first watched this, I thought he was just out cheating on his wife. No, there's like a casually divorced couple, apparently. Yeah, yeah. and you know he bought his kit when he goes, oh, I bought you some masks. You know he bought them from a liquor store. I mean, right. it's, it's <laughs> got that. Way, <laughs> it's gotta be. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, boy. He's, yeah, I, he's probably not winning any Dad of the Year awards. Although he does save a bunch of kids at the end. So maybe <laughs> maybe they won't yeah, get him Dad of the Year. But even, at the, I think, because he keeps calling his wife to say, I can't pick up the kids. I can't pick up the kids. And when he, he even does it, I think, when he's, like, being chased by robots. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I can't pick up the kids this weekend. I've got things going on. And she's, um, and the, but you can tell, um, uh Nancy, um, Nancy Keys is just like, oh, you're so useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, such a strange movie. Um, what else do you guys want to bring up at Halloween three? I mean, there, we could. There's so many directions you could go on Halloween three. 
No, I just love the witch element and um, Dan O'Hurley, who plays um, Connell Cockman, um, the the head witch droid or whatever. I just the fact. I mean, that you could have just done robots. You could have done a mad scientist movie, but the fact that he steals something from Stonehenge to go and do this kind of once in a thousand year moon cycle thing to make all the masks do one thing. And, and yeah. the fact that they, the way they killed the kid actually is actually kind of brutal. Um, every time yeah. I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is actually kind of a brutal death. Cause you just have this mask mm-hmm. and all of a sudden these snakes and bugs just kind of, and he's screaming. And then, yeah, it's, um, it's actually kind of a brutal moment that you not, you don't see coming. Especially because his parents are like drunkenly laughing in the background, like as he's dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, there's some dark stuff in Halloween three. The, uh, it was funny cause that part had my roommate walked in Right when the kid, like the bugs were coming out of his head, and he goes, "Is that a kid?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "It's like, wow, that's it's like that's pretty brutal like to a kid." Yeah. Um. And that poor woman in the room next to Tom Atkins, uh, at the hotel, just picks up one of the little um badges off the mask and shoots herself in the face with the laser. <laughs> and, yes, that's like the the standout scene in this movie. I feel like I feel like that's the scene everyone remembers. Hmm. It's no, it's yeah. Very, when the movie, yeah. yeah, when the movie goes for the gore, it goes, or for the intense, intense kills, it definitely goes hard for it. Yeah, for some reason, I yeah. always forget of it. I never think of it as being a gory movie, but when it goes for it, it really goes for it. Like when they rip that man's, mm-hmm. the androids rip that man's head off. Yeah. Like they just kind of <laughs> twist it and rip it off. It's, yeah. But they throw in these these like cartoony sound effects with it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just very yeah. <laughs> as he's pulling it off. It's yeah. like, that doesn't sound real at all. <laughs> Like I would expect that, like in some in like Ren and Stimpy or something. Yeah, it's a movie made of many very strange pieces. I don't know. Yes, like, which, which a, is why it is glorious. Yeah, <laughs> a strange brew that kind of works. I would say. Um, it's I, like, it's I, like it, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. <laughs> it's like it's like everyone <laughs> thought they were working on like it's like you had different people all working on different parts, and yet somehow they all landed at the same spot. Right. Like they weren't they weren't collaborating, they weren't talking about it, but somehow they all landed in the same spot. <laughs> it's kind of what it feels like. Uh yeah, no one really was taking was consulting with each other. They just kind of did all their stuff on their own. They're like, oh, it kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By some miracle. Um, by some miracle. I do love I, I think the ending's very memorable too. I think it's a great ending with Tom Atkins screaming oh. into the phone, <laughs> turn it off, turn, you know, that's, uh, that's effective. It, I think it works. <laughs> it is because you don't know if he saved all the children because you just see the kid go, Oh, I'll just go to the next channel, go to the next channel. So, yeah. um, you don't necessarily, I mean, even with time zones, I'm not entirely, well, I guess it's all the same thing, but you don't quite know how many children he's actually saved. Um, and I love that ending. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh no, this could end. He might've saved some, but he might not have saved all of them. Yeah. Two things um, that I actually recently heard about that scene. I heard there was like some sort of alternate take where like as he's screaming, stop it. And the screen goes to black. There was going to be like an alternate take where it goes to black and then you just hear children screaming. Oh, (laughs) oh, kind of glad we didn't get that ended because the screaming screaming is enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also I heard someone make this point like as he's like screaming them to turn it off. It's. It's like, you know, you could turn off the TV and at least save these kids right in front of you. Like, you know, yeah. just turn off the TV. <laughs> well, he has to make sure he turned it off. Uh, yeah. no, it's, like, it's now that I'm OK, I don't know if I thought about this before or not because of time zones. He's on the West Coast. So they're the farthest behind. So I don't know what time this thing actually went kids on. have already died, Tom. Right. Yeah, kids have already died. They're already dead. <laughs> right. He's trying to stop it at like. 
I don't know, let's say eight o'clock West Coast time. That's already eleven o'clock on the East Coast. Yeah, that's. I, listen, I don't want to get into the weeds of that, but <laughs> it raises. Listen, there may be some holes in Halloween three. I'm not sure. It's not. There, maybe not airtight. It's not airtight. But uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's effective. But it, it, the ending is good. And I, I, I was going to ask you guys. Uh, this will, this will show if you're half. Uh, glass half empty or half full people uh do you think he get stops it or do you think he uh, or not i think he stops it well at least on the west coast i think new york is fun <laughs> but um i think on the west coast he he saves he saves some kids that's what i like to think yeah i'm an optimist i like to think they cut all the channels i think he stopped that at least whatever he could stop on the west coast <laughs> i won't get into the time zones again but yeah uh so yeah ken optimist pessimist what do you think <laughs> um you know what i just like to leave it a coin toss and i I like leaving myself on that uneasy, on that okay. uneasy. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. Uh, I, you know what else I really like Halloween three? I love the score in Halloween three. Oh, yeah, a- it's because it's carpenter. Oh, yeah. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This. I mean, yeah. I've listened to it before, but I'm like, this is a really solid score. Uh, and again, not quite the score, but music related. I've had the uh, Silver Shamrock theme song stuck in my head since I watched the movie like three days ago. <laughs> You okay. do. That that thing sticks in there like glue. <laughs> yeah. It'll never leave you. No. No. But no. yeah, Matt, especially I love the just the very opening score with the digital pumpkin and then the guy just running from the robots. Like just that whole score is I just haunting. I love it. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, the opening. That score specifically like, that part mm. specifically is is very good. Um, it's so simple. It's just like a hum and like a steady beat, it feels like. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. uh, it's it's that's that's one that kind of sucked me in. I'm like, oh, this is a really good score. I was really noticing this time. Um, and one thing I was listening to at Halloween three is like, I I feel like I feel bad for all the poor women in Tom Atkins' life because they all they all end up, <laughs> well, at least two of them uh get killed and uh, also spoilers for Halloween three. We're spoiling everything. So, but yeah, it's uh, I'm sure people probably knew that going in. But uh, that poor coroner woman especially is just doing her job at the hospital <laughs> and, then, and then gets killed. I was like, oh, this poor woman didn't do anything wrong at all. No, she's just oh, trying yeah. to figure out why she's got car pieces in the um, or kind of metallic kind of pieces in the autopsy. She's confused. And it's because, yeah, it's <laughs> and she's brutally murdered. <laughs> oh, this poor lady. Yeah. She's just doing her job. Um, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you um, know what I got to say? You know who who I think might be my favorite underrated character in this movie hmm. is uh, that like. I, I'm not sure what his job was, but he was like a lot attendant who, to me, kind of looked like Sammy Davis Jr. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. right. When he brings yeah. him in, and then he just like, he brings him in, he's just like, he's like, he just came to me, and he was like, clutching this mask, he passed out. I swear to God, that's all it was. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to be involved in any of this crazy. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Nope. Yeah, and he yeah. made it out okay. Yeah. He, he did. All right. He's I'm all glad right. he made it. Uh, yeah. I, I do feel like bad. the homeless guy. The homeless guy is amazing. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah. when he's like yelling, "Hey, Cochran, fuck you!" Yes. <laughs> oh, he's great. I feel very bad for Stacy Neekin. Uh, I yes. was, I think, I was genuinely shocked the first time when it turned out she was a an android. Uh, that that reveal really got me. I was like, "Oh no!" Like, um, I was really really invested in their relationship. <laughs> Her and Ash. Well, <laughs> Those two kids well, were gonna make it. <laughs> were they? Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I think I might have misunderstood you. Did you think she was like an android the whole time? No, I thought I didn't. Yeah, no, I she got switched out. She got switched mm-hmm. out. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, oh yeah. no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, it. Listen, it was. It took me aback. I was very sad. I was like, oh, those two kids were gonna go places together, and uh, now she's a, a robot. So. This nope. adult man, this kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, um, I mean, it's it's such a wacky movie. Uh, I mean, this is one like I feel like, like I said, they kind of I feel like horror fans kind of reevaluate every thing. Uh, it's like everything eventually has its pocket of fans. But uh, this one, I'm glad they did because I I didn't want to give it. A, I don't think I wanted to give it a chance because I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, I want Michael Myers. I don't want Halloween without Michael Myers. But it's fun. I I wish we had gotten um like this kind of secondary series with anthology stories and still had the Michael Myers story continue because I still like enough of the Michael Myers Halloweens that I would rather have those and have more of these. I kind of wish we got both, but um, me too. Yeah, that probably would have been possible because I love Halloween four. Like that's probably my second favorite Halloween movie, then Halloween two, and then probably this one's like my fourth favorite actually. <laughs> well, you know, like for me, I I was I've thought about this too. Like even though like I say I wish it would have gone the anthology direction, I've thought if you make a movie series. This an anthology series. It's like, well, why even call it the same movie? You know what I mean? Like, it's a totally different story each time. Why call it Halloween Five, I, Halloween Six, I if it's going to be different stories? The branding, you know, the name. And if they all yeah, take place, was, and if they all take place on Halloween night. Yeah, that was the actual original intention. They weren't actually going to do a sequel to the original Halloween. They were just going to make another Halloween set in Halloween story, but because Halloween did so stupidly well. They went, well, we have to finish this story because he disappeared at the end. Um, you have to. Where, where did he go? He went and made Yeah, and then, which kind of was the the original tense undoing because so when they did try to do Halloween 3, everyone just went, what? Where's Michael? Um, so I think because of those two movies, they attached Halloween to Michael Myers. Um, so if they hadn't made Halloween 2, we could have gotten an anthology, but I kind of wish we had both just because... I generally like the Michael Myers movies, and I love the idea of having and ha- a what's happening on Halloween night um, series. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> um, anybody have other stuff you want to bring about Halloween three before we move on, or I don't want to cut anybody off too quickly here. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm ready to defend Screen three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Um, uh, so yes, moving on to uh, to Screen three, uh, which. Amongst the Scream franchise, I would be, I don't think it's a bold claim to say that it's probably the uh, least loved in the franchise. Um, it doesn't quite go off the reservation like Halloween 3 does, but it's it's uh, it's definitely, I've always thought it's been looked down upon amongst the whole franchise. Um, even now that 4 is out, um, I kind of feel like 3 is usually at the bottom of people's rankings. Um, and I'll say this, I like 3, I think more than most people. Um, even though it is still also the bottom of my screen ranking, <laughs> but it's not like it's it's not like it's, you know, fourth a bunch. You know, it's way, way down. It's just kind of like I, I like it less than these other three, but I really enjoy the other one. So that's kind of the point of comparison. But um, so I'm kind of with you, Lindsay. I'll be defending Scream 3, too. So, uh, Lindsay, I'll go to you first, because you already kind of played your hand a little bit. So you you like Scream 3, it sounds like. Um, I do. I like it a lot more than 4, though I still, for some reason, haven't come around to 4, but I just need, I guess I need to watch it more. Um, when I first saw Scream 3, I hated it back in 2000 because um, I loved the first two, like, a lot, a lot. Um, Scream is kind of my franchise. I, well, the, the first two, I don't know if it's my franchise. Anyway, I love Scream <laughs> and Scream 2 a lot. They're one of my semi-favorite horror movies, and when I first saw Scream 3, I was like, what the hell is this? Um, but the more I watch it, and I think it kind of hit more for me after, and sorry to invoke his name, um, the Weinstein revelations. Um, because this is what Scream 3 is kind of about. Um, it is about these kind of 
doppelgangers. I mean, this is kind of what uh, Jordan Peele would make with us. It's these very specific doppelgangers in Hollywood making the movie about about the end of the trilogy, The Scream. Um, but what it is really about, it's kind of about how, what Hollywood can do to you and what a um, man of significant power can do to you. Um, and I think sort of watching it after all that sort of came, really came out, um, you can't sort of help but sort of wonder um, what the screenwriter and Wes Craven were actually hinting. Well, they probably knew more than we did. So um, what they were actually really trying to say. And it's this kind of amazing kind of look at the power dynamics within Hollywood and also kind of the falseness and the falseness of promise. Um, I think this is all in Wes Craven's direction. I don't think the script by Aaron Kruger, which I love the fact it's called Aaron Kruger, um, <laughs> is not that strong because I, I don't think it's Kevin Williamson standard at all. Um, but I think Wes Craven still directs the hell out of this movie. The action is still really strong. I love um, Dewey and Gale in this really a lot. I think it's their movie more than anything else. Um, I think Sydney gets a little bit sidelined, to be honest. But in saying that, I love this movie. I love Parker Posey in this thing. She is the MVP. Um, I love everything that it does. I love the direction and what Wes Craven does with it, even though I think um, it goes a bit too meta for its own good. And that's probably because Aaron Kruger's script is just not as strong as what Kevin Williams would have done. But that's my defense of Scream 3. That's why I generally, generally love this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of things you said, Lindsay. No, I, I, uh, that, words out of my mouth on a lot of that. So, but Ken, uh, what do you think of Scream? Because I don't know if you have you not seen Scream three before this watch. Oh, I had seen it before, like oh, way okay. back when I was in high school, and I didn't like it before. Upon this rewatch, I liked it a lot more. Yeah. So, okay. um, uh, honestly, I'm with Matt. Lindsay uh, took the words out of my mouth on a lot of it, but <laughs> I, I. I think it's solid. It's still probably my least favorite of the franchise, but I don't think it's bad. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I think the problem that people have with it is it it does hurt. That's not Kevin Williamson's script. I think the script is yeah. like it's definitely a weak spot but, but by comparison to um, and the comedy is way more amplified, I would mm. say, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. which I know bothers people. Um and the, I, those are probably the two main things. I mean, otherwise, I, you know, I don't know. I I think otherwise it's it's not like we said, it's not that far of a leap of the franchise. It's not doing anything crazy like like Halloween three did. You know, it's still pretty well, in line with the template of the franchise. Well, I can say the one thing I don't like and I do think it's sort of a, the big thing for me. I do not care for. And again, we're spoiling everything, right? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do not like how they just retconned it so Roman was sort of even behind the events of the first movie. But he's a director. He directs Sydney. <laughs> um <laughs> no, Ronan is not the best idea. Um, as much as I love that movie, every single time I get to that scene when he's sort of saying, yeah, I just found two doofuses who would do my bidding. I'm like, mm, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very hard to believe. Uh when I rewatched it again, I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous that he's like the one who set off this whole chain of, whole events. Chain of events. Yeah. Like, what a leap that is. And like <laughs> just kind of tying things together. Um, yeah, that that that's never worked for me, really, is like when we get to that reveal of him being the killer. I'm like, hey, you know, it's that, that's probably the 
my big criticism of the whole thing is like that just I, I was fine with him being the killer. Well, I just didn't just, like retconning the whole series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It's him and the retconning that b- both bothered me. I don't know. It's not not the strongest thing in the world. Um, I You know what? It's I get I can kind of let it I give it a kind of a pass, though, because um, I feel like I'm all in the I don't know about you guys. I'm all into this franchise mostly for like Sydney Prescott. I feel and like Campbell is, mm. is like and she gets some great moments against mm. him, you know, when he reveals himself. And like, I just feel like she and I love Dewey and Gale, too. But I feel like Sydney Prescott is like the thing that drives the franchise. And what I come back to and what I love is that she's yeah. like this ultimate survivor who, you know, can always like you know, fight back and defend herself and go through all this shit. And uh, I just Maybe love the people... ultimate final girl. She I mean, is. Yeah. 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 It's I'm worried about screen five for that exact reason. That's... If they... oh. <laughs> and I don't usually do this. And I think I have talked about this with uh, uh, Mitch Oliver um, before of the terror table, but we sort of both said if they kill Sydney off in screen five, then we're done. And it's a challenging <laughs> thing to say, but it's why I keep coming back to scream. I don't, care about Ghostface because Ghostface is interchangeable. He's these different killers, right. but Sydney's the ultimate survivor. She keeps fighting back. And if they kill her off, I'm yeah, it's it's I'm gonna be annoyed because that's not what Scream is to me. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm with you, Lindsay. I I, I would I, I feel like kind of like a almost douche saying this, but I kind of feel like I'd walk out. I kind of feel like I'd leave yeah, the movie. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> like, I wouldn't blame you. Know, yeah. Never feel that way about anything. Like because I'm usually like the movie's the movie. Like I shouldn't try to you know, make it what I want it to be. But like, that's been the whole frame. And like you said, Ghostface is just like a mask. It's interchangeable, you know, um, and she's the ultimate survivor. I feel like we just betray kind of everything the whole franchise has been about. So Absolutely. yes, it just would yeah. be a real kick in the teeth. Like, I mean, I can almost, I can, <laughs> I wouldn't like it, but I could like, if they kill off Gale or Dewey, you know, it's, I'm not gonna be happy, but it's like it's all right. Okay, it's like whatever. But just don't kill off Sydney because I'll be very upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the um the horror slasher franchise that's kind of landed itself on the final girl or the main protagonist, not the killer. Yeah. Because Ghostface is the whole thing of a Ghostface is you have to have a reveal and it has to be and it's always yeah. someone else. Um, there's always the whodunit element. There's always the whodunit. So. We, I don't invest in Ghostface like I do Jason or Michael, but with Scream, yeah. it's all Sydney, and she's yeah. amazing. And to sort of have Scream Five, if they, which I don't even know if they are. I mean, I think like Scream Three, they have like six different endings, so who knows what, which ones they're gonna <laughs> yeah. they're gonna pick? Yeah. But it's kind of like Scream Two. I mean, everyone was gonna be the killer in Scream Two, and it was um, this kind of thing of, oh, um, that so they might not do it, but I'm just kind of going, oh, this they keep doing this in front. They did it in freaking Halloween um, Resurrection when they oh, freaking yeah. got freaking <laughs> Jamie Lee. They killed Jamie Lee Curtis off in the first, you know, five minutes, and I was so pissed. Yeah. Like I just sat with my arms crossed the rest of the movie and just wouldn't <laughs> give it another chance because I'm just like going sitting in the theater going, you don't kill off Laurie. You just don't have Laurie in yeah. the movie. Have Michael go kill other people, but to kill yeah. Laurie, just yeah. felt yeah. like. The biggest crime to me. Yeah. I don't even <laughs> well, care the if rest of that Rhymes movie does isn't... karate. I'm done with this movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that movie, honestly, I mean, even even without that horrible sin, it's still not <laughs> not, not worth it. Yeah. I, I, really watched, could yeah, it I could forgive it more, but that 
every time I watch it, I'm like, oh god, that's right, they kill friggin' Laurie. I go, oh, why? Yeah, I rewatched it last yeah. year, uh, and I did not enjoy it any more than I ever have. I was like, nope, still yeah. bad. Don't like it. <laughs> like, uh, um, I thought I could find some joy in it. I could not. <laughs> yeah, something I want to say about uh, screaming Matt, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time I was on there on air. I know you and I have talked about this. Um, but I'm not sure if I mentioned it on air. Something that I do generally like about the Scream franchise is, uh, yeah, Lindsay, like you were saying, I mean, there's the whodunit mm. element to everything. And that, and I know you said, like, you don't really care for, you know, the fact that Ghostface isn't a central character. It's different people every time. But I like that. And also, I like that the Ghostface killer is always more human. Like, someone will, like, push a couch and the Ghostface killer will fall over, you know? <laughs> you would never see Michael or Jason or Freddy do that. No, I have seen a um, cut together thing of all four um, screen movies of just Ghostface getting hit, and it's hilarious because you just oh, oh ow, yeah. <laughs> he's falling over couches. Yeah, he is much more valuable. I do like that actually. He's just yeah. like you can hit him. <laughs> and he won't yeah, and down. that's something that I like. It makes it more real. It's like no, this person isn't perfect. <laughs> They're gonna the stumble. real person that's chasing you, not like a uh, you know supernatural. Even though Michael Myers is. Not entirely supernatural, but he sure acts like it sometimes. Yeah. Well, he's very uh, careful. He walks. Yeah, yeah he I mean, walks. He's, he's, got, he's got that druid power in him, so he, yes. he's definitely... <laughs> oh, yeah, he's got the Thorn powers behind him. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Scream, I, I gotta watch the compilation of the Ghostface Killer just falling down, because I do love that stuff. <laughs> um, I will say, I think I might like Scream 3 more than a lot of people, because I'm kind of a sucker for movies about movie making. And I really enjoy when they're yes. like on the set of the, you know, and uh, I love the kind of the fight chase scene through the re the set of Sydney's house. I think that's a lot of yes, fun. Yes, that's like, such a good sequence. <laughs> yeah, so much and fun. I think that's, yeah. and Matt, I think that very thing, because you know I love movies about movie making. Right. Um, I think that's probably why on this rewatch I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, I mean, that, that stuff works for me a lot because I'm like, okay, well, this is fun. You're already setting it in a place that I like and doing something kind of interesting. Um, and also, I, this is, I, I believe this is the first uh, Scream movie and the only to uh, have a house explode. <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, that sequence is amazing. <laughs> it is. It, it is ludicrous though. <laughs> like the stuff that has to happen to get that house to blow up. I was really, this time I was like, wow, there's a lot of, Domin doesn't have to fall here for him to like yeah. it's like go into this room light a mat like you're going to get the the, the pages off the it printer. was almost like a rube goldberg thing yeah <laughs> it's like wow yes the but you gotta remember ron is a director he directs <laughs> so i feel like that's the key to remembering the whole movie it's like he's a director he directs like directing all direct. these elaborate death scenes i love his line reading on that line it's yeah. so glorious but no i love the sequence because it sort of goes into the idea of what we said before scream had multiple endings Right. So you don't necessarily, people who go into, so they don't always know who the killer is. They don't know who's going to die next in sequence and all that kind of thing. So the whole idea of these new pages and these, um, the actors try and have to read them and figure out who's going to die next is glorious. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot to go on. The fact that one person's going to go back into the house because he has to know, he has to light a um, lighter and then the gas is on and then he explodes. <laughs> it's, um, I don't know, the way Wes Craven, I would have loved him if he did an action movie. I think he didn't always get a lot of chances and um, but he does put action into his movies. Yes, he had to like goof it up a bit because he has a weird sense of humor. But mm -hmm. the way he really directs action is amazing. The first kill with uh, Cotton is oh, yeah. I really like that opening. It's yes. not okay. It's not Scream One and Two opening. That's absolutely fair. But just the way he stages it is so good. Of just 
who's at the door. Just the way he uses that apartment, I think he's absolutely great. And the way Sydney walks in when she sees her old house and you get that music sting is just glorious. It's that Sydney's coming home moment, but it's fake. It I don't know. There is just mm-hmm. those are these little bits for me that absolutely work in this movie. Yeah. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. I really um I don't think Dewey doesn't get a fake out death in this one, does he? Because oh, in the no. first two movies, he has fake out deaths. I, I think, yeah, I don't think he gets one in this movie. I think he's like, gets through okay. I think, oh, unless I forget right. I think he gets knocked out at one stage, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless I'm forgetting. Yeah. But yeah, no, I uh, I think he makes it through okay for the most part. Um, It's, uh, what was I going to say? I'm glad you brought up that opening one because I, I remember distinctly, like, because I think I saw this, I didn't see it in a theater. I saw it on TV at home, and I remember the opening, like, really working for me. I thought it was a really good opening um, with Cotton and, like, you know, the whole thing with uh, him going back to the apartment. So I was like, okay, another strong opening. But it's, it is really hard to top the <laughs> those first two Scream openings. But this one's still oh really, really good. It's, like, mm. it's yeah. kind of the problem with like, Scream Theory in a nutshell. It's, like, I think things are good, but they're trying to live up to the first two movies, you know? It's the like, first two movies yeah. are masterpieces. I mean... Um, it's, they trying, I mean, you can see they're trying and there's those moments there, but it's not Scream 1 and 2 because Scream 1 and 2 are just, well, I think Scream 2 is perfect. I, it interchanges with my favorite with 1. Um, so everything is just so well done. Everything's perfect. The dialogue is perfect. Um, in Scream 3, it's just not quite there, but in saying that it's really good and it has all those things in it you want from a Scream movie. Um, Yeah. yeah, so I mean, the first time I saw the first and the second one, I was just like, really? Those are the killers? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I accept it because I've watched it so many times, but <laughs> the end of two, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> well, what's funny is, too, you know, Billy's mom, you you don't really know, but she's just sort of this this aspiring reporter you see every now and then. Yes. So there's no way you would suspect her. Right. <laughs> I know. I was just like, why is Laurie Metcalf in this movie playing this role? And then she comes out and goes, I'm Loomis's mother. I'm like... What? <laughs> like, oh. And then Timothy Oliphant, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's they they swerve me. I feel like it, every time I know who the killers are, but I always have this like, it's so well done that I almost have this moment of doubt. I guess I could say where I'm you like, do. yeah, I almost question. I'm like, wait, am I remembering this right? You know what I mean? Where it's like, because it's so well done. Where I'm like, oh no, I I was right. I just I question myself because I'm not sure because I feel like Wes Craven does a good job, kind of doing the the who done it you know part of the whole thing so no it's kind of, yeah because you you're suddenly going okay which one is it which one is it at each time so you can kind of go okay is that billy or Stu, or is that mrs right. Loomis, or is that um timothy oliphant which one's kind of playing which who's on the phone who's sneaking around the house or that kind of thing but mm-hmm. with three because it's only one killer and it's the director even with his fake out death you can kind of still see the machinations going on behind the scenes which doesn't have so when you go oh of course oh, it, when you the re- revelation that it's his, her brother you're like oh okay You've, uh, and <laughs> yeah. I, then i just go well i'm just gonna look at scott foley's beautiful beautiful eyes um and <laughs> <laughs> more than anything else <laughs> yeah um also um going back to the that opener that you both brought up what i really like about that is because two kept you guessing like is it cotton is it not cotton this was just like yes. hey guess what it ain't fucking cotton 
Yeah. <laughs> just takes him uh, out right away. When he's yeah. behind, when, the, when Cotton's voice is behind the door and he keeps going, baby, I'm sorry, let me in, let me in. And then all of a sudden he's just like, because it's going to be fun ripping out your throat. And it's like, yes. Yeah. Oh, also, that was an interesting um, thing this movie brought up. Instead of the voice changer only giving you that creepy voice, apparently it's it's a very advanced piece of technology that can make you yeah. sound like almost anyone. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the voice really changer. Well done. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys felt about this thing because, like, I don't I don't have like a, a problem with it, I guess, but I, I did think about it more this time for some reason. Like, well, that's a little ridiculous that they have a voice changer that's like anybody's voice. And I feel like at one point, Corny Cox, like, it has our voices, but it's like, how? How does it have your voice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone explain it to me. Um. But it's Scream 3 at that point. I'm just like, well, I'm not going to ask these kind of questions anymore. But I, it, I did think of that. I was curious if you guys, if it bothered you or you're okay with it. <laughs> no, I'm okay with it only because I think it fits into the theme of the movie. Um, yes, it is a very advanced piece of technology for <laughs> 2000. Um, but this is a movie that's kind of leaning into their technology of, of the time. Like in the first one, they kept going, this weird cellular phone, what is this? Um, <laughs> but in this one, they're kind of leaning into the fact that there's the internet, that there's this kind of um, almost like the deep fake kind of thing that we are now in. Um, mm -hmm. And the fact that everything's a doppelganger. You can't trust um, anything, um, which kind of leads into the movie, which kind of leads into that. So I'm generally fine with it. Yeah, I mean, I had to uh, suspend my disbelief, but I'm fine with it. Right, yeah, yeah. I was just curious. Uh, it's like, there's always a little bit of suspension of disbelief in most of these movies. And that one that one device, I was like, well, I forgot about that thing changed every, like, all these voices. Um, it was just you know interesting. What I have to, you know what I have to suspend my disbelief more for? Uh-huh. Is uh, Carrie Fisher playing a lady who looks so much like Carrie Fisher. I love this so much. <laughs> And then doesn't she call Carrie Fisher a bitch? Like she's yes. you know, yeah. She slept with she slept with George Lucas, and I'm like, see, that's yeah. he got wrong because Carrie Fisher was sleeping with Harrison Ford. Um, <laughs> I did love her little cameo, and I thought, oh, I miss Carrie Fisher. I was like, oh man, I, I love her so much. I like to think she also did a bit of a re rewrite on this because um, she was a ghost ghost yeah. ghost uh, Doctor script kind of thing. Uh, but she's great. I, I always love a Carrie Fisher one, and just the whole. And the whole line where she says to Courtney Cox, do you want me to tell you who you look like? And it's just. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, we've gotten this far in Scream 3 and we, no one's mentioned Courtney Cox's bangs and hairstyle, which. <laughs> oh, this is uh, poor Courtney. Um, <laughs> poor Courtney. She needs a hug. She really she looks like she needs a hug. Um, I don't know what was going on in her life. I think this is, this is when she's starting to get her plastic surgery. She's got terrible hair. She's. Um, I don't know. I just, I just want to give her a hug in this movie so badly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's shocking the, the hairstyle, and I think it's, I, I bring it up because I think even she has a good sense of humor about it. Uh, where yeah, she knows, yeah, she joked about how bad it was. It was not <laughs> like, a good hairstyle. <laughs> I don't know what was going yeah, on. No. Like her and Josh Hartnett in H two O are competing for like worst haircuts of like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like late nineties, early two thousand slasher <laughs> movies. Um. Uh, but the, the bangs are just yeah it's uh i think last time i watched green through was my sister and she'd never seen it and yeah and she loves friends um so she loves courtney cox and she was like what's going on with this haircut and i was like i couldn't tell you i don't know like courtney cox regrets it but it is like one of those things where it's like well that's yeah what happened here so courtney um, was making some choices <laughs> right old choices yeah. it was a new millennium it was time to make some new choices exactly uh, time to make some changes and yep, you know so. what we all learn lessons yes we <laughs> We all grow from these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's stuff I know people bring up at Scream 3 that just there's a lot of things in Scream that don't, don't bother me. It seems to bother the people. Like, I know people don't like when Jay and Silent Bob show up. 
But at that point, I'm just like, whatever, it's fun. You know, it's like, I, I don't yeah. love it, but I'm just like, eh, it's meta. It, this whole thing is meta. Like, I think they kind of were forced in there by the studio, but still, it's like, you know what? I don't mind Jane and Bob showing up or weird stuff like that. But, um, yeah, the stuff that just kind of like, it's like, I don't hate it. It's kind of like, it's just there. It, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm fine with it too, though. Question How many videos do you think Randy made um, before he died in Scream 2? Just curious. <laughs> gonna bring this up too. I was like, how do we feel about Randy's sister, who I don't think ever been mentioned or seen before, popping out of nowhere and being like, hey, Randy made this other video for you guys about about trilogy. It's just like, so she, cause she knew this was happening. Yeah. It's... Right. I just, I mean, yeah. again, spending his belief, but you know, I, I was happy to see him again. Like I was happy to see Randy and even on a, a videotape. So yeah. it was them kicking themselves for killing that character off, which they should. Yeah. <laughs> I think I love Randy. I don't think they should have yeah. killed him off. Um, in Scream, in Scream 2. Uh, maybe they could have killed him off in this one, but uh, I thought it was it was shocking in Scream 2. It all, it's still it's shocking. It's a great me. moment, though, yeah, because you're so upset because he's kind of one of the core four, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, he's not, he's, he's yeah. been killed off. But yeah, I just like the idea that he's sitting in his dorm room making 15 videos about every single eventuality <laughs> of this thing. Every um, scenario. <laughs> every potential thing that could happen. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so shocking in Scream 2 because it comes out of nowhere and it's like broad daylight. Yes. And you, you feel like there's a safety yep. there and he gets pulled into that van and it's it's like it's so yeah. Um but no, and now I love this. We need to make another because, hmm? and, and I was just gonna say you don't see the van thing coming because he's just you really don't see it coming because he's out in the middle of a field. Yes. Right. It's and it's yeah. and it's Gail's van. It's not like it's a space that you don't know what it is. And just the shot, I think because you think you see Ghostface in the rear view mirror. There's an amazing shot that he does, and then you just see Ghostface's face, and you're like Oh shit! And then he's pulled in. I'm cut, and then you just hear the ramifications of what's happening. So I think it's an amazing scene and one of the great kill scenes in a movie. But at the same time, um, yeah, Randy's part of Scream, so it's kind of even though um, I know I've met people like that since I've gotten older. I'm like, oh yeah, you're not as fun as you are in the movie. But um, yeah, I kind of I love that scene, but I hate the fact that Randy got killed. But then I just love the fact that he was just sitting in his dorm room going, okay, so if they make number five, this is what's going to happen. If they, But if they do a trilogy, this is... <laughs> yeah, I just, I need like a little like side movie where he's like making these videotapes. <laughs> like, he's like, okay, if there's a part three, but you know, it's like, and he's like, if there's a part four, I'll do this. And uh, um, although I don't think he pops on part four at all. So, uh, no, yeah, no, uh, they're, they're down with the three. So, um, they didn't go that far with it, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, so I don't, I think the thing that, yes, yeah, still makes Scream 3 and makes all the Scream movies still work to me is you've still got Neff Campbell, Sydney Prescott, like, and that yep. will always She's the magic. work. She's awesome. Yeah. She's, <laughs> we all agree. She's the best. Yeah. So it's like that will always like, get me hooked in, you know, no matter what mm. ridiculous shit she's going through. Um, I love that she does get to pull the, uh, the whole like killer disappearing act too on Roman this yes! time. <laughs> yeah. Um, she gets, he turns around, she's gone. And then, yeah. Um, and gets him. Uh, I, she's just the best. Like again, God, if they kill her in scream five, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> especially the worst part will be if they do it like Jamie Lee Curtis in resurrection where it's like, it's in the first five or 10 minutes of the movie. Like, I could, uh, it's not going to go well. But if she I made don't think they'll do that. and sacrificed herself, maybe. But I'm still not going to like it. But I would really be pissed if it's in the first. If she minute. pops up in the first frame, I'm out. Like, I, because I know what happens in the first five minutes of Scream. Like, the first yeah. people you see, we oh, know the rules. Yeah. 
So if she pops up in the first five minutes, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah. See you later. Oh, man, you're right. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think what else to say about Scream 3. I, Parker Posey, I, I want to bring her up. Made my favorite part of the movie besides, obviously, the, the core three. But, like, uh, Parker Posey is so funny in this movie. She's um, delightful. She's delightful. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. like, um, really cracks me up. Like, every time she's on screen, she's just funny. Um and I'm trying to think. I do love that we get Roger Corman pops up out of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> uh, doing that meta thing about violence because I don't know if you guys knew this. I don't think I knew this until recently that um, Scream 3 was kind of affected by what happened to Columbine. Where yes, yes. Was, it was around about the same time. So they were worried about because it was a whole big thing about oh, because the Columbine kids played video games and watched violent movies and not really wanted to look into the issue about why they did what they did. But, right. um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, they had to, like, uh, there was a whole controversy about violence in movies, especially involving, like, younger people and, like, uh, what horror movies were doing in society and all that, you know, that stuff the media always pulls out when this thing happens. Uh, so, yeah, they had that little meta thing about, like, it's, it can't be as violent. Um, but I was like, oh, Roger Corman, cool. Uh, <laughs> happy to see Lance Hendrickson show up every time. I'm like, oh, Lance Hendrickson. Like, there's all people I forget being in the movie. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that person pops up. Why is that cast? No, um, I love how much of a red herring Patrick Dempsey is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, uh, a to- I forgot a real red herring with all the stuff. Like, because Sydney finds all, like, the stuff on his desk, like, about her, right? Where it looks like he's obsessed with her. And, yes. Um, yeah, and, that's and it kind of yeah, and it looks every time he enters a room, there's like a music sting of like dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he pops up around corners. Like yes. I think when I hadn't seen Scream Three in like a long time, like when I first saw in two thousand, and then like maybe ten ish, maybe longer years later, I could have sworn he was the killer. I had genuinely completely forgotten about Roman being the killer, and I was like, oh, it's. De-. I thought I could remember him doing like some kind of evil monologue, and I was like, oh nope. Completely. <laughs> remember that wrong like um he's very close to be fair every time he has kind of like more than three sentences it sounds like it's about to go into it like a, this is why i'm doing what i'm doing yeah. evil model <laughs> very good at that uh it's creepy so um and i think you know west craven still has it because like west craven is just always west craven and uh i don't know how much he really wanted to make scream three i thought I'd, i maybe it's, i thought i heard that it was one of those things where it's you know not like he was forced into it, but, you know, he, it's, a, it's a movie he could get greenlit and get money for to make. I'm not, you know. Well, with his history with the dimensions, it might have been a movie that he was told pretty much he had to make. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the Weinstein brothers. I mean, Bob was, you know, may not have done what exactly what Harvey did, but he wasn't exactly mincing words when he said, oh, no, you're making this motherfucking movie with Eli right. or not. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think he, um, I don't, yeah, because He's kind of as tied to Scream as he is to the Elm Street movies, which is weird because he had he made all four of them, which is again why I'm nervous about five because I'm like, oh, Wes didn't make this, um, which yeah. kind of goes into how I feel when we get into Elm Street three is yeah that not Wesness, um, but yeah we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, so oh, I see. I even know this. I just I'm now double checking trivia before we wrap up with Scream Three. That Wes Craven filmed three different endings for this and didn't tell the cast which one he was going to use. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I didn't know that. I knew I, that there yeah. were multiple endings. I didn't know. He, didn't he wasn't them. even telling them what he was going to do. <laughs> um, I do like that. Uh, uh, Dewey and Gail actually finally get engaged in this one. I really enjoy yes. that. Yep. <laughs> um, and any anything else you guys want to bring up here while I'm kind of like looking through facts and stuff? No, I'm 
pretty much said all I wanted to say about my defense of the amazing movie that is Scream 3. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the, yeah. at the anything, I have fun with it. You know, like, mm. uh, some people really yeah. don't like Scream 3. I, like, I will have a good time watching any Scream movie, I think. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we'll see how the new one goes. Mm. We'll see how the new one goes. But <laughs> it's like, the four that we have, uh, I like all of them. Oh, that, I want to ask you guys this. It's a little on the spot, but I think it should be easy to rank them. Can you guys rank your screen movies from least favorite to favorite. Lindsay, do you want to go first? Um, four, three, and oh god, um, <laughs> two and one are just tied. That's a cheat, but I can't okay. choose. It's one A and one B. I got you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ken, can you can you rank your four from least to to best really quickly or? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I still like three. I like it a lot. Uh, three, four, two, one. Three, four, two, one. Yep. Okay. I think mine would go very close to yours. Mine would be three. Uh, and uh, Lindsay, don't get mad at me. I don't like two as much as most people, but I still like two a lot. <laughs> but oh wow, uh, interesting. I like that's so why I go three, two, four, and then one. I really like four. Like I'm mm-hmm. a big defender of Scream Four. I really enjoy that movie. Um, I need to watch four again because every time I watch it, I get too distracted with what's his name with the dumb camera equipment equipment on his head. And I get annoyed. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally forgot his name. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, not 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 the Culkin, the other guy. Yeah, It's it's Rory Culkin, right? That that's the one we get, right? That's Rory. Yeah. Oh, was a yeah. Rory. I, there's too many Culkins. <laughs> there's so many Culkins, and like half of them don't even act. But I I think there's like nine Culkin siblings or something insane Jesus. like that. So there's yeah, Rory McCauley. Kieran. Kieran. I think one of the sisters acts. <laughs> I don't remember her name though. Um, I constantly mix up Rory and Kieran. Kieran Culkin. I don't think they I look do that. as well. Like I keep thinking Kieran's yeah. in four, but it's actually I think it's Rory. So I'm <laughs> just like yeah. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Now I'm sure Rory is in Scream Four because he's I think younger and Kieran does. They look different enough that I could tell them apart. But yeah, and so I think yeah, Rory's in Scream Four. Um, I have a lot of fun with Scream Four. Like I think that's a good way to like. If you want to bring in like new people, new blood, uh, but keep the old cast, I'll take a good job. And I loved uh, Hayden. I can never say it. Penitier. I always say Penitier. I think it's wrong. But oh, uh, she's, she's great. Yeah. Kirby. Oh, God. Love Kirby. Uh, so <laughs> um, she's great. I, there's a lot of things I love about four. But and then I can't, I, nothing can top one for me. One is still like one of my all time favorite horror movies. Like, um, and yeah, I just it, I don't get sick of it. So but I, I really love this whole you know this whole franchise really so um yeah i'm glad we all kind of like defended scream 3 a little bit because i think it gets dumped on too much so even though it was the bottom of my ranking but it's still, <laughs> but i still like it so um okay all right so moving on from scream 3 last one here um a movie that is beloved in its franchise nightmare on elm street 3 the dream warriors um we're going from movie- one arquette sibling to the other Good call. Yes, Ken. we are. Yes. <laughs> to Patricia now, um, who I really like in this. Uh, okay, so I guess I'll start here. Um, I really, really like Nightmare on Elm Street three. Um, I will put out there right off the top that I think there's a constant back and forth amongst Nightmare on Elm Street fans of which one is the favorite in the franchise. Do you like one the best? Do you like three the best? I'm gonna always be a Nightmare on Elm Street one person forever. Yep. As much as I like three. Like, I just don't think you can top that. It's my favorite homers of all time. So it's like, it's a really high bar to clear. Um, but like, I just don't think you can, t- there's a certain like power and thing about one that just the other sequels just do not have in the franchise. As much as I like 
uh, quite a few of the sequels. One is like a special thing on its own. Um, but I like three a lot. So Ken, I'll ask you first this time. How do you feel about Nightmare on Elm Street 3? Uh, I love it. It's my second favorite of the franchise. Um, I really like... It's not scary at all to me. Like the first Nightmare on Elm Street like does actually creep me out. Yeah. This one is just pure fun and like all the characters that the people make themselves in their dreams are just really wild and you can have a ton of fun with it. Um yeah, I think it's really solid. Okay. Uh Lindsay, how do you feel about Nightmare on Elm Street 3? Um, it's not my favorite. Um, I'm actually more of a new nightmare. That's my favorite one. Um, and then one, and then the, then the first one, and then maybe five for some reason. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a really solid movie. I think that the effects in it are incredible. Um, I generally like the performances, but when I want when I'm watching an Elm Street movie, I either want it to go completely stupid like Five or Freddy versus Jason, or <laughs> I want it to be Wes Craven cerebral, like that really creepy, that yeah. really kind of digging into what a, what is a nightmare how it affects you, that kind of thing. And I think um, though Scream 3, or, or um, Dream Warriors, as Duffin would say, <laughs> um, sing. Uh, sorry, I had to get that in there. Um, I think is really solid, um, though I think it's much more fantasy, and I think it's much more Chuck Russell. Um, saying that, yeah. I love The Blob. I think The Blob is one of the great, greatest movies that had horror mo- uh, movies of the 80s in general. But there's something, even though the, the cast is what I want, there's something about it that I just can't, embrace and i don't know i think it's just because it's not wes i i think that's the most selfish reason fortunately the most selfish reason i can come for, but yeah it, but in saying that it is a really solid movie okay yeah no that's uh <laughs> you kind of prepped for that a little bit before we started so that's interesting though because um I mean, it's not like you don't hate it, so that's you know that's that's good. So uh, it oh, just kind of sounds. Terms, I absolutely hate this movie because there's no you either have to love something or hate something. So in internet yeah, yeah. terms, I hate <laughs> Dream Warriors. But no, I don't hate Dream Warriors. That's gonna be I, the narrative I, coming out of this episode: is Lindsay hates Nightmare on Elm Street three. <laughs> she hates the Dream um, Warriors. She's like, those kids are stupid. And I was those kids are stupid. You know, when in my dreams, I'm beautiful and bad. bad. Whatever that freaking line is. Um, oh my gosh, I got things to say about that line. Oh, uh, poor Jennifer Rubin. Um, it's. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it is actually really solid. I think for what it's doing, and it's just a bit more straightforward than I maybe want out of an Elm Street movie, um, just because it is Freddy. But at the same time, yeah, no, it's a perfect Sunday afternoon watch. You're just sitting there, you're just watching it, because I love Patricia Arquette in this movie. Um, I love uh, Heather Langenkamp coming back. Uh, John Saxon is just the best in this movie, his little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's just not what I want from an Elm Street movie that's understandable and that's funny because i feel like the thing about part three is that i feel like it kind of changes the course of the whole franchise like i feel like the franchise jumps off from three and kind of like three is kind of the blueprint for everything else that comes afterwards they do different things but i feel like more movies in the franchise are like three than one you know what i mean Mm. (laughs) it's like uh and nothing's like two either so three is like the new the restart point um and it's funny because like I, I may be wrong. Besides New Nightmare, obviously, Wes Craven might, I think he was the most involved in this one because he helped with the story and the screenplay. He did, um, yeah. That so, yep. Frank Darabont. So it's not like it hasn't got really good people behind it. it yeah. Right. It's, it's... <laughs> it, I could see, because it is, when I watched it this time for this recently, um, I still like it, but it's it definitely is that more like fantasy, kind of goofy. It's not as 
dark. Um, it's it's more. Oh, what's the word? I don't know. Like, yeah, just fantastical. And like Chuck Russell's really mm-hmm. good at effects, like mm. super talented director. I love the blob too. I like the remake of the yeah. blob. It's so good. Um, so I love kind of the crazy creative effect stuff. He's doing all the stuff like the kids, different um, kind of scenarios that they go into like, um, but it is a little goofy with like the, you know, the one kid is the, the wizard master. That's, that's exactly. What oh that's my God. Say. So that kind of, and the beautiful and bad, like I could see people being like, this is a little too out, like fantastical goofy for me, for my nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like I was thinking at this time, it's more like about kids with superpowers or something, you know, it's like, it's, yeah. uh, which, which I is think, cool. yeah, which is cool. And I think that's why a lot of people do really love it because they watched it when they were kids and they, it's a movie about teenagers empowering themselves. I mean, this movie starts with these kids who are basically being put into an asylum because they're too hard to deal with, because they don't want to sleep. They want their parents to be with them. I love the scene where um, Patricia Arquette's mom is like, can you just be normal so I can go have sex, please? Um, (laughs) It's kind of, and Elm Street parents are the worst. They Um, really are. They really are. Um, Uh. And you've got this thing of these kids who are are basically being controlled, you know, told what to do, how to think, and all of a sudden it's them going, no, I'm going to take my power back and I'm going to defeat the monster. And that is really powerful when you're watching it as as if that's your first horror movie as a kid. And I think that's why it's so beloved. Freddie, I just wasn't my guy when I was a kid. I And growing up, I was more Scream, and then I became more of a Jason and Michael guy. So Freddie was always – I like Freddie, and I, Wes Craven's one of my favorite directors just in general. So I think when I'm watching it, I'm like going, I see what it's doing. It's just there's something missing for me. And then I'm like, oh, shit, Lawrence Fishburne's in this movie. I always forget. <laughs> um, I mean, the cast is amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, but when you watch – I can imagine watching this as a kid and going – oh, this is amazing. This is, has everything. It's creepy. It's fun. It's goofy. These characters I can relate to. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I can totally see that. Hmm. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't know Lawrence Fishburne. I thought I saw an actor named Larry Fishburne in this movie. <laughs> sure. Different guy, Larry. <laughs> wasn't as distinguished yet to be Lawrence. He was like, I'm still going to be Larry. <laughs> like, but I, I want to uh, say yeah. about him, actually, he's a great character in this movie because to me, like, he seems like he's an orderly who is just sort of following orders, but at the end of the day, he sort of almost feels like, not in the dreams, obviously, but in the real world, world he's almost like these kids' defender, I feel like. Like, he's really protecting yeah, he's them. On their and side, yeah. there. He's there for them. He's yeah. almost like the big brother, almost. Like, <laughs> oh, I'll let you watch TV, but just don't tell anyone. Or I'll let you do this. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's kind of like their big brother in a way. That's yeah, a that's a good way to put it, because, yeah. yeah, he has that scene where he's just like, all right, but, hey, I didn't see you. Like, hey, I'm going <laughs> to help you out, but don't screw me over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it may be because I always think of Lawrence Fishburne now as Morpheus, that I feel like he's like this uh, comforting presence when he pops up a movie. He's <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> ah, Lawrence Fishburne's here to guide me or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> even when he's like much younger Larry Fishburne, I still am like, ah, Lawrence Fishburne's here. Cool. Like, um, he's got a presence about him that you're like, I, I feel safe with you, Lawrence Fishburne. How do you cope with him in Apocalypse Now when he's pretty much 14 years old? Oh, yeah. He's like a baby in that movie. He snuck on. Well, when when I, he's like snuck when, on at like 15 or 14 to be yes, on the set. Yeah. He was actually. <laughs> a child I lit on this movie yeah <laughs> when i see him this young uh, my mind immediately goes to cowboy curtis from peewee's playhouse oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh but then you watch him something like have either one of you seen deep cover yes not. i just saw it for the first time this year uh can it's really good we should watch i want to sometimes i'll let you borrow it um it had a criterion 
he's really good in deep cover. And it's like, uh, I just, I, Lawrence Fisher is such a good actor. I feel like he kind of gets, not typecast, but people remember him as like, oh, it's Morpheus, you know, it's like, or, um, but he can do so much and he's such a, I just think he's just a really, really good actor across the board, no matter what he's doing. So, um, yeah, even in like a little part like this, I, he manages to stand out, I feel like. So, mm. um, yeah, yeah, that was a good call. And I, I also think, I, I really love Heather Langkamp in this. I think she's really, really good. I think yeah. she is. I would love her to be used more just because how yeah. she's dealing with stuff, but it's not her story. I've got to realize that. I'm I'm watching Patricia <laughs> Arquette's and these kids' stories. I'm not watching Nancy. She's there to help out. She's here to, to re- again, to be the big sister, to go, oh, I know, I understand exactly what you're going through and I'm going to help. Um, yeah. And when I'm watching, I'm like, oh, can we find out what's going on with Nancy and why she's attracted to Craig Boston of all people? That'd be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but that's just sort of me. I just want, yeah, I, I zero in on Nancy because she's kind of like my Sydney Prescott as well. So I kind of want to zero in on her and find out what she's doing. But I've got to realize, no, this is not her story. This is Kirsten's story and Kirsten's great. And we that's kind of the direction the movie is taking. So Yeah. And now you let me do a question that I'm curious about because we just talked about but you don't want Sydney Prescott to die in the new screen. How did you feel about uh, Heather Langkamp dying in Nightmare 3? Are you okay with that? Does it really bother you? <laughs> doesn't bother me as much as it used to because I think she, it kind of feels shitty that the way it does because she thinks it's her dad. That's kind of always the thing. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, he tricks her, which I'm like, mm, which is, but that's Freddie. Freddie would trick her. So that's how right. he would do it. So it's me being annoying that um, I like the fact that she sacrifices herself to help the kids. I think that's, if you're going to kill Nancy, that's the way to do it. Um mm-hmm. But the fact that it's John Saxon, I'm like, did you have to make John Saxon do that? <laughs> also, it, I really wish they could have like genuinely had like a moment of, you know, John Saxon as her dad, you know, sacrificing himself and like have that genuine moment of like, hey, I've crossed over, sweetie. And like, I yeah, because that would have yeah. been a really nice thing. It would have yeah. been. And um, again, this is because I just love John Saxon and I I want him to have that moment with his daughter. Um, but I don't get that because it's Freddie being a dick. But that's what Freddie is. Freddie, even in the original yeah. Wes Craven conception, this is something he would totally have done just to get to get at a victim. So I can't really blame the movie for that. But at the same time, I'm just sitting there going, oh, okay, yep, yep, yep that's fine. That's whatever yeah. movie you do. I, you. Mean, <laughs> I mean, Wes Craven did base him off of a bully he had back in high school. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I mean, the fact that that Wes Craven was involved and I feel like it's him sending Nancy off as a character, like to kind of bridge the franchise to to go wherever at that point. And I feel like it's not like in a shitty way, like Jamie Lee Curtis. It's not like, oh, no, you're in the first five minutes and you're dead. It's like she goes through the whole movie and really helps all these kids and, um, you know, goes through all this. And, and ha- it, it means something. It's an emotional moment when Patricia Arquette's like you know, holding her as she's dying. And uh, so I think mm-hmm. it works. I mean, I don't love, I kind of wish she didn't die, but it's like, you know, uh, know. It, it works. It's a good moment. So um, yeah, I'm okay with it now too. I think it used to bother me more, but um, plus we get her again in New Nightmare. So that kind of helps out. But Exactly. And she's yeah. brilliant yes. in a New Nightmare. I love she's, what, yeah. what she does oh. in New Nightmare. Yeah. As, as good as she is in, in like anything else, I feel like she's great in New Nightmare. Like um, I feel like I've heard people criticize her acting before. Um, 
little bit. And I think if you think she's a bad actress, like watch New Nightmares. I think she's really, really good in that movie. Like she's oh, asked yeah. to do a lot in that movie. <laughs> so no, um, and she did have a stalker at one stage. And not entirely sure it was when she was filming New Nightmare, but she had gone through all those things. She had gone through being known as just out Nightmare in Elm Street. She had been because um, uh, I know she works with her husband for effects, which. It's yeah. weird because that's what the movie is. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> she has had a stalker. She has gone through um, all those issues. So she is pulling things from her real life, especially about her mm-hmm. relationship with Wes and with Robert England or how the public pre- preceded her relationship with Robert England. Um, yeah, she's gone all through that. So she's able just to pull all this kind of real life experience um, into New Nightmare. And so it does feel yep. real. It feels feel honest. And it's a really great performance. Oh, yeah. Also, fun fact, did you guys know the actor who plays her son in New Nightmare was uh, the little boy Gage in Pet Cemetery? Yes! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was on Full House. Uh, <laughs> he was on Full House. He was... he was getting a lot of work in the early 90s. That kid was yeah. like, in a lot that of stuff. That kid was everywhere, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, wasn't he in Kindergarten Cop? Yeah. Yes, he He's was, the one yes. That says, uh, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> the classic line. Uh, <laughs> also, um... Kid, uh, a good agent. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I remember his character in Full House. Wasn't he like Michelle's friend who was kind of a dick? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that was him. Um, yeah, that kid. That, he's a good actor. That kid. Uh, he's always he brings it. I wonder what he's um, doing now. He might still be acting. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Um, oh, I think he's doing okay. Later. He's not one of those child actors that went uh, nuts. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, another question about three. I'm curious about you guys. How you feel about this? Because this is really. It's become a running joke. This is when Freddy really gets into bitch mode because we get the welcome to prime time, bitch. I mean, we get the... Come and get me, bitch. <laughs> it's a lot. Yep. There's a whole Rick and Morty episode about this where he just says bitch constantly. Um, so this feels like the tipping point people where it's like Freddy becomes more like a... Uh, not a stand-up comic, per se, but he definitely becomes... Oh, he's, but, he's definitely by five and seven... Uh, five and six, he's definitely a stand-up comic. Oh, yeah. I mean, six, he's just <laughs> doing like you know, whole bits. Like he's doing the, the, the witch from the wizard of Oz. Like he's just, now it's he's like, playing yeah. a Nintendo. It's just, like, Oh my God. Oh, yeah. With power. Playing with power. Oh my God. They're just doing full on bits. I'm like, how much is Freddie thinking about these bits where he do like, what if I do, what if I do a power glove thing? And I said, like, does he know Nintendo yeah. slogan? I have questions. Um, but, um, uh, well, apparently he had lit this primetime bitch and then it just became a thing. So it's, <laughs> Oh, and I'm thinking about like Freddy Krueger as a character, like thinking about these things where he's like, oh. he's like, okay, I'll dress up as a witch and I'll fly. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. He's like behind somewhere. He's like, okay, I gotta do a good job on this. <laughs> Just see him on a phone googling different kind of things. Right. Like uh, he right, he's got a little notepad. He's writing notes. <laughs> it's like a comic working on his. Oh, I got on one in. Yeah, I gotta put a bitch on the end of it too. Uh, yes. Like, um, I mean, I, I'm okay with it because that's like the Freddy I remembered more, and it it almost, in a way, when you go back to the first nightmare, it almost makes him scarier because if you've been watching the later Freddies, you're like, whoa, well, this is different. You know, this is all this is. He's more menacing. He's uh, he's hidden in the shadows in the first mm, one. Yeah, yeah, he's a lot in the shadows. He's, he's not in it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like it almost makes that more effective for me because like. Then it, you go back to that, and you're like, oh, okay, this is uh, <laughs> this is pretty intense. And it's funny because this one feels the most to me like MTV-ish, like rock and roll. Like the docket song at the end really drives that home, I feel like. It feels very like like the Chuck Russell parts. I feel like Chuck Russell has a 
like a because he did the mask too like this like kind of like colorful playfulness where things are very like cartoonish in a way um if that makes sense what i'm saying <laughs> like but but uh well, it's almost cartoony but i kind of enjoy that i mean i know there's some goofy stuff in like four five and six obviously but um i even think it's you brought up five Lindsay. like i think five has some like dark parts people forget about i mean there's some really dark stuff in like dream child that i think people kind of don't think about um that i like about five but like yeah three is just kind of this weird kind of cartoony fun fan fantasy <laughs> it really is which is why i think it's really great to watch on a sunday afternoon but not um late at night kind of thing um i don't know you you there's a freddy there's a Elm street freddy movie for every time of day that you could, yeah. you could watch it which is kind of one of the great things about the series yeah um oh, yeah. but i think um elm street 3 is definitely centers more on your sort of more afternoon morning kind of watch just because yeah it is kind of a little bit more kid friendly and i'm not saying that is a bad thing because there are plenty of um gateway horror movies that i adore um but that yeah it feels more gateway horror and when i want freddy i want full horror i want you know um him his arms stretching out and um swallowing a bed and just kind of I'm I'm your boyfriend now with the phone. It it's a lot more creepier. Um, yeah. and the claws kind of, yeah. barking against the wall. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like I've told, I think I told the story many times this podcast and I'll play other people's podcasts too. But like Freddy Krueger was the guy that I was terrified of. He's my boogeyman as a kid, mm. and uh, like I couldn't even look at him. Like he scared me to even look at. Like I I know I told this story about like we had a local video store really close to my house and we go there all the time. And I, it felt like it lasted years, but I was a little kid, so who knows how long they had it. They had like the standy cardboard cutout of Freddy Krueger right at the front door. And I'd have to like cover my eyes and run by it when I go in the store because I was so scared of him. And Don't I never feel forget. so bad for you. It, it was so scary. And uh, I never forget one time I was very little and I was watching somewhere with my dad and there was a like a VHS tape we were watching and a preview for probably Dream Child. Because I remember there was like a, a cradle um, and I knew it was a Freddy trailer though and i got so freaked out like i was like like losing it i remember i was like crying and like i'm like turn it off like tom atkins and halloween 3 i'm like turn it off turn it off <laughs> my dad like calmed me down because like just like seeing freddie at all was like triggering for me as like a young kid so um it took me a long time to come back to the nightmare franchise in general and the weird thing is i came back to the franchise like the first one i saw was nightmare 2 which i really oh. really wanted to come back in yeah <laughs> nightmare 2 is like a like its own thing too like it stands apart from the other ones like three four mm. five uh very connected uh you know two's like doing its own thing and uh yeah I, it's a miracle i watch any of these but now i love them it's so bizarre like i was so scared of freddy and now he's like my favorite of like the big horror icons you know oh, that was J yeah that was jason and pinhead for me and now i'm just all about jason and pinhead so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, you know what's so funny to me is I think, I mean, of the big three, Freddy, Jason, and Michael, I, I mean, Halloween is, I think, my favorite horror movie amongst all of them, like the original. But I think but between the three of them, I think Freddy actually has the best overall franchise. I think his movies are the most consistently entertaining. Mm. I, hmm, I'm thinking about it. It's a tough call because I feel like uh, there are some, like, lows in the Halloween franchise I, I really don't like. Like, I really... I, People don't get mad at me. I don't like Curse of Michael Myers at all. Um, it's a I confusing like... movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I supposedly well, watched the better cut. I watched the producer's cut. I still doesn't like make it. sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. I don't like the cult of throwing stuff, honestly, when they go in that. But I love four. But I like like half of five. But five makes some choices I don't like. 
I used to like H2O. I don't like H2O anymore. I don't like Resurrection. (laughs) There's a lot of like low points in the Halloween franchise, but like the first Halloween is my favorite horror movies of all time. So, you know, and then I love four and I love two and now I love three and I love, I love Halloween 2018. So it's a weird, a mixed bag of a franchise for me. And then, uh, Friday 13th is such a huge franchise and I could be happy watching like almost any of those anytime. Um, like I love New Blood. Who the hell else likes Part Seven and New Blood? <laughs> like, I don't you know. know. You and you and Mike Primero from F this movie yeah. apparently. Um. <laughs> See, yeah. And Friday for me is the weakest. I'm I never really get that into those ones. I could see um, it. But <laughs> yeah, no, I think Patrick Bromley made a really good point about the Friday the Thirteenth series. Is because uh, Elm Street and Halloween start off with genuine masterpieces, and then it kind of has to yep. go from there. Um, Friday the Thirteenth doesn't. Um, it's kind of consistent. It's more the cons- most consistent Toby yeah. series for me. Like it's all yeah. the same kind of thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could watch any Friday the Thirteenth movie and be happy, even seven and eight. But, um, but yeah, there's definitely more peaks and valleys in both Elm Street and Halloween for me. Even though I will go back and watch those movies, but yeah, Friday the Thirteenth just more is more consistent because I think they're all kind of started at a low level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth's like almost like a to me, it's like a very flat line i don't mean in a bad way it's just very consistent like there's not peaks and valleys it's like the quality level stays at like the same kind of level for me yep. and and but halloween does this wild kind of it's like way up and then it's way down um i like most of the uh nightmare franchise i'm even a little bit of a freddy's dead defender which i think people still don't come back for freddy's dead but um i can definitely watch it i i realize how ridiculous it is but um uh, you know, at that point, I'm like, Freddy Krueger's a cartoon, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Freddy's so. dead. Yeah, that's the one where uh, Alice Cooper and Johnny Depp have cameos, right? Yes. Or is that... I know Johnny I... Depp does. I think Alice Cooper might. Oh, I, Roseanne Barr and uh, Tom Arnold have a cameo. It's I weird. remember that. <laughs> like, like, Freddy's dead is really fucking weird. And, like, they, they were, like, doing, like, almost, like, Twin Peaks type stuff. Like... It's such a mm. weird movie. Like it's it's just like I kind of admire the 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 weirdness of it. Like I don't know if it works as a movie, but it's like I can watch it. It's not my favorite of the franchise. I wouldn't say it's great, but um I don't hate it at all. I don't I don't think I hate any uh nightmare movie, except I do I do really hate the nightmare remake, but that kind of doesn't count. So <laughs> <laughs> did not like that movie. Uh <laughs> which is funny because they try to be more serious again, but like I don't think it works at all. I think it's no, just a really not at all. No, bad movie. Is, no, even if they had stuck to the original idea, which I think was a smart one of having Freddy as innocent and then him going back and getting revenge, I think would have been more interesting, but I don't think it would have saved it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so, no. um, okay. But yeah, all the horror franchise. Sorry, we're kind of off. We're kind of off on a tangent. I need yeah. to what happened though. Um, uh, but yeah, Nightmare 3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I want to say about 3 is, um, like I said, it doesn't scare me at all, but one part that does just make me cringe is um the boy uh being puppeteered by veins in his breasts yeah it looks painful it oh. does that might be the most disturbing the image in the whole movie for me that like is yeah that's pretty dark actually mm. <laughs> so yeah it's one that, of those things that you know just makes you just makes my skin crawl yeah yeah mm. like i think that, that kind of balances out like the kind of kind of and i say goofy i don't mean super i don't mean i'm not being negative but i just saying like the wizard master and the beautiful and the bad um (laughs) but like that kind of image is like well that's you know pretty dark and 
uh, pretty gnarly. But like, yeah, so it still has stuff like that. And you get primetime bitch. But you know, it's, <laughs> uh, and the, and Freddy is the naked nurse, which is still like one of the most confusing images I've, I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do like that a lot. Yeah. When he's when he's a naked nurse, I'm like going, yeah, yeah, this is this is what I when I like Freddy doing weird stuff. It's just. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean he's doing some weird stuff. Um, the tongue, yeah, that that's all great. <laughs> and the kid is just wrapped out like I'm so sexually confused. Yes, <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. What to um, do now? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I will always have fun with Nightmare Three. I I guess I'm like you and I prefer Serious Freddy because I'd put like I'd put the original and even New Nightmare over yeah uh, over this one. But it would be my be my third favorite. Um, I would say. Uh, you know, I still really like it. I know I just people I know people love it more than even the first one. Like people love Dream Warriors. So. Oh, I know. And I can get that completely. As I said before, this is kind of a little bit more relatable uh, to a lot of people, especially if they're watching it younger than the first one ever would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else you guys want to say about Nightmare on Elm Street 3? I don't want to again cut everybody off too early, but <laughs> just trying to think of other things to say here. No, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. OK, I'll just say I. Like, yeah, I'm with. I'm definitely with you guys. I definitely do prefer my Freddy more serious. But uh, yeah, no, it's fun. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we're all, you know, fans these movies to one degree or another. So that's nice. I'm glad nobody hated any of these. That's good. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, man, I hate Scream 3. Why'd you make me watch Scream 3? <laughs> and again, I thought it was interesting. I think, Lindsay, you pitched the idea. And then I kind of like, I think we talked about some part threes. And I was like, well, these part threes are interesting because they're all different in their franchises. Like Halloween 3, like exists. Yes. It's a quantum leap away from the franchise. Scream 3 is like the the one everyone doesn't like. And Nightmare 3 is like one of the most beloved entries yes. in its franchise. Mm-hmm. So it's like this weird, you know, kind of balance between all three. They're all very different. Um, and they're all kind of turning points within their own franchise. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this was a lot of fun, guys. I had fun talking with you because like took a little week off here between for scary movie month here and uh, for October. And, uh, but I'm happy to talk with this, these movies with you. It was a ton of fun. So hope you guys had a good time. No, this was absolutely um, amazing. Uh, thank you for having me on for this, um, for this, pod- for this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. no problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this was a blast. Uh, always great talking to both of you as always. Yes. Yeah. I don't think the three of us ever recorded before together. Had, or am I remembering this wrong? No, no, no this is um, first time for all three of us. Oh, yeah, this is fun. So we all got to talk together. So, yeah, about movies that are, are fun movies that I really enjoy. So, um, yeah, well, I will wrap it up here and uh, uh, let you guys kind of plug stuff. Ken, I don't know if you have or anything you want to plug or want to plug anything. I know sometimes you're like, I got nothing, but uh, go yeah, ahead. If you I want mean, to. <laughs> everyone has heard what I am on uh, Letterbox. <laughs> Elwood Balboa 92. That's it. Yeah. You're like, I keep a low profile on social media. <laughs> I do. I just want you to come on next time and be like, well, I have a MySpace page you guys can go follow. <laughs> go follow my Tumblr. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I want to hear him to go, well, I'm on TikTok now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, doing my, I'm doing my TikTok dances. It's Ken Walker, Texas Ranger on TikTok. <laughs> um, I would love that. Just promote, plug weirder and weirder social media sites that you're on. Like, well, guys, I joined Parlor. It's like, whoa, Ken. No, it's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah, like, I'm just... Oh. You're like, I'm just on there to see what's going on. So it's a bad time to pitch my OnlyFans is what you're telling me. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, I'm just on here to see what's happening. You're like, I'm just on these sites to see what's going on. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) 
like what's happening on parlor what's going on only fans um yeah okay well that's oh that's funny um so <laughs> oh man um it, Lindsay, i will go yeah i know you have lots of stuff going on with shock and awe and all that stuff and uh you're doing a series that I may be a part of, I think, in October. Yes, you <laughs> yes, may yeah. be a part of. Um, we've been doing the Evil Dead series, pairing them up with different movies. Um, we uh, dropped before um, uh, the first Evil Dead movie with a Japanese movie, Onibaba, with Anthony King. And time this drops, I'm guessing the second one with Mike uh, Scott for Evil Dead 2 will be out. Um, so, no, this has been an absolute blast to record these and just to go through the Evil Dead movies and pairing them has been an absolute blast. Um, and we've got a whole bunch of other stuff coming out. Um, I know Keith Rich will, episode will be out before this drops, it's coming oh, yeah. out tomorrow. Um, we will talk about um, uh, teenage horror movies with pigs and blood. Um, there's more than one. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's Carrie and um, Evil Speak. So um, that, that actually paired really, really well. Um, and yeah, so there's just a whole bunch of stuff. If you want to follow, we're on all the apps, I think. Um, but if you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, it's just fucking all one. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Reading Geek. Okay, cool. Yeah, everyone should definitely be following you and listening to your podcast because it's it's such a fun listen. I, I'm always like, what crazy double will come up this week? <laughs> like, I just, I always love it. Um, and two things. I need to watch Evil Speak finally. You just yes. reminded me. Yes, you do. Uh, and <laughs> I... Uh, uh, Evil Dead, a series again where I like it, loved really. I think every single movie in that series. So I don't think it's a bad one in that in that four. So no, they're all they're all completely different, which is the best thing about it. They're all their yeah. own separate little thing, <laughs> it, it, almost separate genres, almost, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing. So um, yes, everyone, please listen to Shock and All and follow Lindsay and all that stuff. Uh, and for our stuff, uh, the usual, you can follow the podcast uh, on Twitter at Film Feast Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Maplet eighty seven. Um, and you can follow me on the pod, me and the podcast on Instagram or yeah, at film feast, all one word. And, uh, we'll have, I think at least one, if not two more, uh, episodes, uh, horror related episodes for the end of October, uh, if things go according to plan. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this guy, this was so much fun guys. I had a blast talking to both of you and, uh, we will talk to everybody else next time. Later guys. <laughs>